welcome to Into the Aether. It is a low-key video game. Wait, no, this is a bonus episode. Hello, and welcome to a very special bonus episode of Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger, and joining us at the top of the episode is our dear friend, our wee enthusiast and apologist, uh, Mr. Dominic Nero. Thank you for joining us. Hi, everyone. It's great to be here. And as Mario says, here I go. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a great time recording with you both. Uh, see ya. Um, <laughs> the shortest bonus episode so far. Uh, we are going to be talking about the recent Mario 3D All-Stars collection. Uh, and more specifically, in the three sections of this episode, we'll be going into detail about each game individually. But in the beginning, we, the three of us wanted to talk about maybe like this particular collection of games and also this particular collection on Switch and like how we feel about that and what's going on around that. So just to kind of frame the whole episode. Yeah. Also, uh, Dom wrote a great series of essays for Esquire, which uh, I'll link to in the show notes. Uh, one for each of the three games, which are, are wonderful. Great, great job there. Thanks. I also <laughs> have a fourth episode, a fourth essay coming out about the central antagonist of Mario games, Zant. <laughs> nice. Okay. <laughs> what? That's exciting. Zant is the self-proclaimed king of Twilight. He's a member of the Twilight who usurped the throne of the Twilight realm. Uh-huh. Mm. And he's the central antagonist of the Mario franchise. He is a powerful sorcerer and minion of Ganondorf. That's true. Those are all true. Those are all valid points. I agree with you um, so far. I can't wait to hear uh, how it all connects. It's going to be very exciting. So go to Esquire.com, a good website, to find out. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, what, the, what the fuck that means. Uh, no, that's okay. I know how much your, your role on this earth is to remind people of Zant, I think. He doesn't, he's not often discussed enough. He's, he really like shows up so ready to be the villain in Twilight Princess and then is like quickly like pulled off stage with the cane. Like, yeah. like even the game is like, we can't commit to Zant. We gotta get Ganondorf out there. We can't do this. Yeah, the, the most Nintendo has mentioned Zant is just getting his hat in Breath of the Wild later if you download a DLC. Like that's as much lip service as I give him. Steve, anyway. when you asked me to, to talk to you guys all week, I was thinking, I'm going to go in there and I'm only going to talk about Zant. <laughs> the moment I turned on my camera, I knew right away I, yeah. I'm not going to give up this bit at all. I feel too bad. I'm sorry, guys. I'm, I won't talk anymore about Don't. Zant. <laughs> It's okay. I kind of want to talk away. about Xanth a little bit more, though. Xanth is the only character that Nintendo, I think, uh, focuses on less than Waluigi. Yeah, absolutely. Like, at least Waluigi is a cult of personality. Xanth has literally you, Dom, in this exact moment. Yeah. Xanth is the, is the PlayStation Vita of Nintendo. <laughs> I, yeah. I liked Xanth. I was down with Xanth. I liked Xanth. I would have had Xanth for the whole game. I would have been fine with Zant. Yeah. I would have loved a Zant redemption arc where Zant becomes your friend and maybe there's like a Fire Emblem kind of like romance, romance option with Zant. Yeah, isn't, only with him though. Isn't Zant, isn't Zant also in The Four Swords? Or am I thinking of a different Zant? <laughs> I don't know. No one knows. No one knows that this is a fandom spelunk one night that I'll read and immediately forget. Uh <laughs> But yeah, well, more more on Zant later in the upcoming fourth essay. Uh, I do think we should talk about the Mario collection because it's been five whole minutes on Zant. That's our type five on Zant, the fourth essay, the fifth child, if you will. Um, so uh, it's out. I mean, I think 
you know, in terms of in terms of framing the whole discussion, uh, I know Brendan, you kind of want to talk a little bit about like the reception of this collection overall and like what the conversations around that have been. Yeah, yeah, Dom, I think you've you've played the collection more than either of us because as of this recording, the collection's been out for two days. It came out on Friday. We're recording on Sunday. Um, you've had it for a while, as far as I can tell, because um, you were reviewing it, but. Um, I think, you know, even without playing it, the lead up to the release of this thing was really kind of bizarre because you had on one hand, you know, Nintendo saying, hey, we're releasing these three games in one package. Isn't that so exciting? Uh, and then on the other hand, you had like gamers online very upset about like very menial things about it. For example, the fact that which I think I think this one is maybe the one valid one that Steven and I talked about a lot on our episode where we talked about this when it was revealed. But it's only going to be available until March and nobody knows what's going to happen in March. It could just disappear like Xant and never return. <laughs> so that's I'm kind so of gone with the Zant. That's kind of a bummer. One of the other things, though, is that Mario 64 isn't in 16 by 9 widescreen. That was a thing that people were very upset about. Uh, eventually, it was revealed that they are emulated versions of these games. So they built like an N64 GameCube and Wii emulator for the Switch um, and that they're just emulated ROMs, essentially. Uh, and people were upset about that as well. Um, and then when the reviews came out, a lot of the reviews were kind of they had this twinge to them that was like, these three games are incredible, but it could have been more. And and there's like this kind of underlying disappointment. I'm just wondering, Dom, where did, where did you land on all of that stuff like how do you how do you feel about that at the moment um i remember when we were leading up to the 35th anniversary and everybody was expecting nintendo to like release remasters a lot of people were sharing screenshots of like you know remasters that already exist like yeah there's like a super mario 64 pc port that's like beautifully remastered with new textures and yeah somebody like uh, threw it in unreal engine right yeah, I mean, they're yeah, they're always making these games in the Unreal Engine. I remember I had a GameCube emulator on my Mac, and I downloaded. Uh, it's all very legal though, and I downloaded. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was retexturing uh, Ocarina for HD was as easy as just downloading like one texture pack. Yeah. And it changed it completely to HD widescreen. And I was thinking like, this is amazing. I'm playing this game that I loved from my childhood in this, you know, beautiful new way. So I don't think like Nintendo has any excuse for not doing a little bit of effort to make these games look <laughs> mm -hmm. remastered at all, especially when there's like remasters like the Crash Bandicoot remaster or the Tony Hawk. But at the same time, as I was playing them, I started thinking about how we don't really need <laughs> these games to change. I mean, you could make the argument that like playing the original Crash Bandicoot in just higher resolution on your flat screen TV would be good enough. But like, I think those games that they're remastering really needed like a breath of fresh air. I don't think you need any fresh air with Mario 64. It plays fine. I don't care that it's in standard, I mean, in a three by four or whatever. Doesn't matter to me. Yeah, I have a quick follow up on that if you don't mind. I think um, yeah. that's a really sober take because I think that like, yes. as we said before, like the critiquing Nintendo for like giving this game, which is very much just here are these games on Switch, 
uh, a limited time release is kind of bizarre and that yeah. but that has become the lightning rod for like critiquing it's the same thing that happened to pokemon where like they were like oh not every pokemon's in this game and then that led to like you know two hour youtube rants of like yes this, there was a mouse in the in the in the direct you could see a computer it's like that's okay like you don't <laughs> you don't need to like you can be upset you can feel any way you want to you can feel upset enough to not get this game but then it leads to like ridding it of all value and i think um something i was thinking about like, but i think you're right i think you can definitely critique nintendo for not really doing a lot here you can critique nintendo for the limited time release critique nintendo all you want we're not here to be nintendo talking heads that being said i think that there are two there are two really big points i want to make that i think will inform the whole episode if you don't mind listening to me steven aka zant in disguise anyway uh <laughs> One is that I think the term remaster, uh, and this is a weird parallel, but it's it's the best parallel I can think of in my mind. The term remaster is is really ambiguous. I don't even know if they use the term remaster for these games. No, this not is at what all. People called them like uh, unconsciously. Oh, that's that's a good uh, point. But a remaster is kind of like when grocery stores call something all natural uh, versus organic. Like if they're selling something that's organic, it legally has to hit certain parameters to be sold as such. But natural legally is like a big gray area that can mean literally nothing. You know, right. it could just be like, this tastes good. You know, it's all natural, you know. But I think with remasters, the definition of what a remaster is could literally just be a port. It could be like a slightly... You know, it could be something like uh, FF12 Zodiac Age, where it's like a port of the game, but they've enhanced the game and added options to like right. have quality of life things. It could be something like Tony Hawk One Plus Two, which to me is more of a remake, where that's like ground yeah. up. And it, and it, I've seen I've seen a lot of like thoughtful reviews of this Mario collection that have compared directly to the Tony Hawk remake, which I understand because they're like both currently out and they're both like seemingly kind of doing the same thing. But that to me feels unfair because the intention of Tony Hawk One Plus Two is to really revive that series. Whereas this is almost like Nintendo's first attempt at game preservation, which leads into not prettying it up. I think that this collection is really great because you can just experience the games as they are, warts and all. And I think that what you have in this collection to me is simultaneously like the awkward teen years of Mario and also them like kind of figuring it out, you know, and that's what I think is really important. Like, while I love to take a game that like you said, Crash Bandicoot, it's okay, let's take a game that was doing something cool and make it a little bit more digestible by today's standards but there's a lot of value to experiencing a game just as it was and that's not to you know to excuse nintendo not putting an effort but it's like i think for this release i do think their intention was here are these games on switch and that's what it is and that's what i've been enjoying about it yeah there was there was a lot of like online discourse months ago you know as as soon as people kind of caught wind that this was the 35th anniversary of mario and nintendo was going to do something a lot of the like leaks and rumors about this were framing it as a remaster you know so a lot of people i think were expecting a remaster even though nintendo had never actually said like hey this is going to be a remaster That's right true. um so there were, there were a lot of like tweets and kind of just um ambiguous uh, rumors pointing to this being a remaster and then it came out and it wasn't one uh, you know and i think that's kind of maybe the like the catalyst for a lot of uh, a lot of the discourse that i've seen about it but i i'm kind of uh, of two minds about it because I'm with you, Stephen. That I, in playing it, I am totally fine with what it is. I think, and even more so, I think like we maybe as like people who are extremely online video game people um, are not even really the target audience 
for this as much. You know, um, I was talking to a, a friend of my partner who was saying like, literally, this was like two weeks ago. She was like, I really wish I could play Mario 64 on my Switch. You know, she has like no games on her Switch, but she really wanted to play Mario 64. I was like, do I have great news for you? Because in two <laughs> weeks, you're going to be able to do exactly that. And it's going to have Mario Sunshine and it's going to have Mario Galaxy. And she's like, oh, I never played Mario Galaxy. That sounds like a fun time. And like, that was it. That was the whole conversation. She was just amped. She pre-ordered it immediately, you know, and like that was it. And I think to a lot of people, it's just going to be like, oh, I could just play that again. That's great. Because the Switch is like becoming one of the fastest, best selling consoles of all time, just like the Wii did back in the day. And they ported everything to the Wii. Um, And I I imagine this is kind of a similar thing. On the other hand, so that's one side of it. And that's kind of where I more land on the other side of it. And kind of I I think where I would give a little bit more credence to some of uh, some of that, like bummer uh, outlook on this thing is that they're using the vernacular of all stars again, you know, like like Super Mario all stars on the Super Nintendo, which we just talked about, I think, in the last episode or maybe two episodes ago. Um, was an actual like that was Nintendo's yeah that, actual remaster of all of their games. That's what I was I was waiting to say is they yeah. did reskin those old games. Yeah, in Super, and Super great. Nintendo. Yeah, I know. So when this was coming out, I was expecting. Well, when we were anticipating this being announced, I was expecting oh they're going to bring the Mario from like Mario's Super Mario 3D Land or like Super Mario Odyssey, mm-hmm. and that's going to be the Mario that you play as in all of these old games. Yeah, and that's going to be cool as hell. But I mean, I just feel like with Nintendo, like we can sit here all day and try to think about why they do the things they do, (laughs) but we'll never, you will never succeed. They will always do something either so frustrating and strange or so strange and like incredible. Yeah. That's what we love about them. Brilliance that like redefines reality or like, (laughs) here's a weird arm I'm selling you for $80. It's your new controller. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing that I really I know we're supposed to you want to talk mainly about Galaxy but th- playing these three games I really love how they added um, the controller support for Galaxy that yes. yeah. I think they did a great job but in Super Mario 64 which I've been playing a lot this past weekend I'm so surprised that they didn't attempt to fix the camera issue at all I mean, it's hard <laughs> yeah. to play that game sometimes with the, the angle with the camera with the two like Lakitu is like a camera and also you have your, your Mario camera which right is if you press like one of, the, one of the shoulder buttons you get like a Mario camera it's but sometimes it barely shifts at all it's like I feel like that was a simple fix that they could have just like spent a little bit of time fixing that I, I agree I mean I think like you can very much tell I mean I'll save my thoughts on 64 for our segment about it but like the best and worst thing about Mario 64 is that you could tell 3D was a new concept you know like the game is so excited to be in 3D and so much about the game's identity and what it's doing which is very much unique to it you know I think like I think with Galaxy you can see a direct trend that has led to the more current day Marios but 64 and Sunshine are almost in their own worlds and doing their own thing Mm -hmm. I think Odyssey feels the most like 64 in that it is attempting to let you explore an open environment and it's rewarding curiosity over galaxy's kind of style where it's like here's an obstacle course we've like very tightly designed yeah for you. it's a little it's a little railroady in galaxy 
Yeah. But yeah, I think like the camera is such a new concept of 64 that like it is it is like easily the the most frustrating thing about it. Like, I mean, I noticed that mostly in the first Bowser fight where it's like I can't even see where the bomb is, you know, like, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, you know, but I think that that game is really like t- playing playing original ass Mario 64 is really like going into a museum. And I've been enjoying yeah. just that aspect of it because I do think that that game out of the three is doing the most unique stuff still. I don't know if oh. it's. It's I don't know if I can rules. say it's my... It's yeah, I mean, they're all... All so three are good. great. But I think, like, there's something about going back and really experiencing just the raw original game on Switch. So you have the novelty of, like, I don't have to pray my 64 works and, like, dust it off and, yeah. you know, plug it in with 8 million cores. I can just put on the Switch and play it, but it's still the original thing, which I think there's a lot of value in as well. You know, I don't think it should be a limited time offer because that's that's <laughs> yeah. where that's, that's where bizarre. it really, like, eradicates my defense in a Nintendo here because I'm yeah. like even if it was a refined remaster, there's no benefit to having this limited time thing. That's bizarre. And that's like the chaotic evil of Nintendo. But yeah, yeah I, I think overall, to sum it all up, like I think that there is value in experiencing these games as they are, both in a I just want to play Mario on Switch. Woohoo, I got it. And the I want to deep dive into the history of the series like we are. So yeah. I think that both parties will be happy because they're it's just them on Switch, you know, for better and for worse. That's what's yeah. that's what you're getting. Yeah. Uh, I think, though, to like kind of transition into Galaxy a little bit more, I think Galaxy is the one that has the most change, you know, like Galaxy, they actually have like kind of refined and shifted around a whole lot. Um, Steven, you and I, right before we started recording, we're talking a little bit about the different control schemes that we've been using, uh, because a lot of Galaxy was like waggling the Wiimote and like aiming it at the screen uh, and using it to do a bunch of things. Um, There are a bunch of like mini game galaxies and stuff that you go to that are, are, are like entirely motion controls. And I think they've done a really, really, really good job with this game i I think porting that idea to every single control mechanism that the switch has whether that be handheld or one joy con or two joy cons or a pro controller or whatever it is you're using it is going to work with Super Mario Galaxy, which is kind of like a miracle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing. I used the Pro Controller pretty much the entire time until you, Steven, and some people in the Discord had said, like, oh, you should try it with two Joy-Cons. It, it's night and day. You know, it's 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 great. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um. I mean, and I think that's also, like, I've said this about the Switch, too. Like, I always forget that the Switch low-key has, like, actually good motion controls yeah. and <laughs> a touchscreen. Like, it, it has the gimmick of the Wii and the DS just, like, hidden in it, you yeah. know? I didn't even know the Pro controller had motion sensors until yeah, I, neither did I. Until yeah, I it was kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah, but yeah it's I mean, awesome. I guess, it feels really. I I gotta be honest. I was very surprised at how great it felt to do the motion stuff yeah. with the pro controller. I guess just to wrap up the intro, and I guess as we segue into Galaxy. I will say that like this collection is worth getting if, if you're as into Nintendo as we are. And if you either haven't played these games or you have and you want them on Switch, like they're good ports. It's a great time, you know, and, and I, I would say that it's a good collection. Uh, but that your your enjoyment of it will depend on like your interest in the past and also like how excited you were about a potential remaster. Right. And if, if you're OK with them inserting Zant instead of Bowser into <laughs> every encounter. So long, Zant! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Cool, you want to take a little bleep here and then jump straight into Galaxy? Or or do you have anything else to say? Yeah, yeah, that sounds good to me. Cool. Cool. Goodbye. Talk to you in a second. Let's go to space. Wahoo. Oof! 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 The final frontier. 
These logs are written by Zant and Mario as they explore the galaxy and meet the Kubrickian space princess, Rosalina. Actually, though, I will say, Galaxy, a huge little prince vibe. I never really... I, I, yep. I remember maybe making that connection like fleetingly, but uh, we'll get more into that. But I, I really like that. Uh, some more Galaxy. Uh, it came out... We're going to start with this. We're going backwards, so we'll be doing Galaxy, Sunshine, and then 64 uh, with our uh, featured guest for each segment. Dom is our space prince, so he's with us right now. Uh, and Galaxy was the Mario game that came out on the Wii, 2007, I believe. It is 2007. Um, and uh, I think we're going to start by just kind of sharing our personal experience with the game when it came out and how we're enjoying it now in this collection. I'll go first because it's pretty short and sweet. I, I got Galaxy, I think, like when it came out. I remember playing it on Christmas Day, I think. This is a really nice Christmas Day game because it's just like yes, this really is. pleasant. Um, it's one of the more like relaxing Mario games. Like I think it's got a really nice orchestral soundtrack. It's got a really nice aesthetic, even still. You know, like it has some Wii textures, but like it definitely. I mean, not a huge contest in this collection of what looks the best. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I, uh, when I played it when it came out, I remember like kind of just like s- like just binging it. Like I beat it in like a few days. Yeah, and. Then and kind of moved on. Um, so it's never been like, I'll talk more about my 64 experience later, but it's never been as kind of like earth shattering and monumental as that felt at a young age. And it hasn't been as like ongoing as like Odyssey or Mario 3D Mario worlds has been. And that yeah. like, I keep going back to them. Galaxy is just kind of like a really short and sweet vignette in my life. And going back to it, uh, it's it's pretty much felt the same. Uh, and it's definitely, I think, I feel kinder to it even. Even though it wasn't like low on my list, I, I, I have a newfound appreciation for it. Kind of seeing the direct history of like, okay, the only two games that preceded this were Sunshine and 64. So this was like a really interesting step for the series, I think. Um, but I'd love to hear what you two ha- thought about it initially and how you're feeling about it now. Yeah, go for it, Don. Well, one thing I, I wrote down I wanted to mention to you guys, and this is not about Zant. Zant uh, <laughs> has sorry. eight tassels on his robe. And he's prone to temper tantrums. So I don't know if you guys, do you remember this thing called Super Mario 128? No. No. I don't know what that is. So I, I mean, I love Mario games. And I always have. It's probably the series that I've played the most and thought about the most and enjoyed the most. I mean, there's something about the fact that like Mario is this strange like Italian mascot that speaks to me because I come from an Italian family. I don't really know why because he might as well be anything because <laughs> if, if anything, he might as well be kind of offensive to Italians actually. <laughs> but that whatever, that's beside the point. So after Mario 64, you know, I'm obsessed with Mario games. I didn't have a GameCube. I tried Sunshine, and I am not one of those people that Sunshine like resonated with. Something about that game just didn't like sit well with me at the time. Um, you know, every day in the early internet days, I'm logging online and and looking up you know early days of IGN for new stuff about the next Mario game. And before Galaxy came out, there was this this thing called Super Mario 128, which was like a tech demo that was shown at a developer's conference. And I remember being so excited 
excited about it because it was leading up to what I thought was going to be the new Mario game. And then when it finally came out, it was just this very strange... I have a, a YouTube video over here I'm looking at. Like, it's a really, really weird presentation of hundreds of Marios running around on the screen on like a sphere. Okay. <laughs> So you can imagine me as a little kid, I mean, a teenager, so excited for the new Mario game, hearing all these rumors that it's going to be called Super Mario 128, and then just seeing like hundreds of Marios running around on a sphere <laughs> and being like, what the fuck have I been looking forward to all these years? Like, what is this? Yeah. yeah, this is bizarre. Then, this is after 64 and before Sunshine? It? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> No, no, no. Before Galaxy. Oh, before Galaxy. This okay. Is after, I'm sorry. This is after Sunshine, as, as far as I know. Oh, no. It's August 2000. So it was before Sunshine, right? Yeah, a couple of years before. I, I just feel like it's worth bringing up because I know I remember being on these forums and seeing lots of Mario fans think like talking about Super Mario 128. But as they say, the tech in this demo apparently laid like the groundwork for a lot of the uh, the sphere stuff you see in yeah. Galaxy and a lot of like the uh, dimensional stuff, I think. I mean, I just wanted to mention that because I thought it was a strange memory. And if you have time, I feel like it's worth looking at this tech demo because it's so Nintendo. Yeah. It's so oh, so it was by Nintendo. It wasn't just like a fan thing. It was Nintendo. Right. Yeah. That's even better. Oh my God. Yeah. Looking at the Wikipedia right now, it says that this was apparently going to be originally the sequel to Mario 64. Um, okay. And then and then they ended up like ditching it and then moving on to oh, I guess, yeah. use this again uh, for, for Galaxy years so later. That, but, hence the one. 28 that makes sense yeah what a, what a bizarre thing yeah okay <laughs> but when galaxy actually came out finally i mean i love this game guys like this this is my big one i think yeah. really of this is Nintendo like the one game. for you yeah the more i think about it and when i you know revisited it these past two weeks that i've had it it's just i think they took it out of the draft that i wrote for Esquire, but originally I, I described it as it's this sort of marvel of engineering that you look for or you hope for in every new video game you play. I mean, at least that's how I feel about it. Yeah. It's like a the feeling of the game, and I don't think it's been captured in any subsequent Mario games or before this game either. It's like this very big feeling. That's what I love about it. It's like, uh, like I, I, I described it as like returning to Disney World as an adult mm. and finding that same like feeling in your stomach when you're on Space Mountain that you had as a kid. I mean, it's just such a huge, it has this feeling of like you're, you are uh, looking at this gigantic like grand thing. I mean, it's space, so it's very big. Right. <laughs> I love how the levels that like, kind of stretch on infinitely and all the textures are so beautiful to look at. And the, the game also has this feeling since it has that orchestral soundtrack, which I think it's the first Mario game to have an actual orchestra. Yeah, I think yeah. the soundtrack is a is a highlight for sure for this game. Yeah, like everything is kind of moving together, and it's uh, I I feel like. We look at Mario 64 as the, as the big one for the series, but from my perspective, if we hadn't had Mario Galaxy, I think the series would be a lot different today because I think it's the one that kind of like carried it to the next generation. I agree with yeah. that. I mean, I think playing it again, I definitely feel a more foundational aspect from it. I don't know if I would highlight it quite as strongly, but I do think this is the modern foundation. Like this led to, of course, Galaxy 2, which a lot of people, that's their big one. That's like the kind of like yeah. the, the fan Yeah, I would favorite. describe, I'm sorry, yeah. The, the collective. Two of them together, yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not yeah, being, ah, Galaxy yeah, 2. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> Galaxy um, 2 is better, I would agree. But the Galaxy, you know, do 
duo like definitely laid the groundwork for what they kind of did with 3D World, which was almost like a supercut of everything. And then yeah. that laid the groundwork for Odyssey, which like weirdly playing all these games has made me realize how much I love Odyssey. Like Odyssey to me yeah, is me like, <laughs> but I think I think you're right. I think that like like because Sunshine is is so it, literally in a different solar system than this game <laughs> that like <laughs> in terms of what they're trying to do that that Galaxy is is the modern blueprint. Um, I, I I agree with that. Um, my only real hangups with it are like even though we we highlighted that like the Switch offers such a variety of different controls for it, I still think that the motion controls don't really add anything. That's not a hot 2020 take. Like I yeah, think that I like. Agree. It was on the Wii and they had to do something. So they're like, collect space gems to feed hungry Lola. <laughs> it's like, it's just fine. It, it doesn't get in the way of it, but it does feel like they just kind of had to do it. I'm glad that like, and they have fun with it with the, like the way the game is structured is kind of like Mario 64 where like replace the castle with Rosalina's space base. And mm-hmm. you have different, like, kind of almost weirdly, like, cyberpunk Victorian houses that show up. Uh, and those are, like, the hubs for the different levels you can choose from. Uh, and then, you know, like Mario 64, there's a variety of goals you can select to get stars. And, uh, but yeah, I, I just think the, the, uh, the, like, level select aspects of it are very similar to 64, but it is, it is focusing more on design over here's a giant open place to explore. Yeah, I think that I think that's the influence you get from Sunshine, right? Because like, yeah, six, 64 was essentially you're just running around this castle and then jumping into paintings. And there's not really like a narrative reason why you're jumping into paintings. It's just like the way they decided that you were going to choose the level. It is actually incredible at all that in that game, they decided that they were going to have some kind of like hub world for you to run around in, you know, and not just like literally level select, like what you would eventually end up with in 3D world um, and, and 3D land on the 3DS. I, th- I think, you know, Sunshine then took that a step further and said, what if you actually did have a reason to be running around this hub world, you know, and not just jumping into paintings? Um, and then yes. and I think what Galaxy... If it's, if it's because Mario will go to jail if he leaves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the reason. <laughs> Um, and, then, and then Galaxy takes that a step further and says, like, OK, you're actually just trapped here, you know, and you're just exploring this thing that is like almost unknowable to you and will continue to be unknowable to you until you, you know, uh, hear a bunch of Rosalina stories, which I don't know how much we want to get into it. I would like to get into it a lot, but maybe yeah. it's too much of a bummer. It's real sad. The thing about yeah. this game that I find really fascinating is, is Dom, you were just talking about the bombast of the thing. And, and Steven, you yeah. were talking about the soundtrack. And I think those two things going together make it this like incredible wild experience um dom you compared it to disney world which i think is perfect because i've been saying that to a lot of people as i've been replaying it recently yeah. it feels so much like disney world in that you walk around disney world and it's just this kind of like awe inspiring place as you walk around you know that just like main street and things like that but then you wait online you go into a ride and the ride is where it gets like wild holy shit i'm on space mountain holy shit i'm visiting yeah. the caribbean and i i there's pirates everywhere wild mm-hmm. and then you walk out of that and then it's just quiet again you know there's just a bunch of people oh, walking around and, and yeah you're so right and that that is what galaxy gets at to me in a way that i absolutely was not expecting i i can't take full credit for this idea but it's something that i've been definitely like diving into a lot and thinking about a lot as i've been playing it um jacob geller on youtube has a great video about mario galaxy that i highly recommend you watch yeah i keep seeing that pop up is it called like this the quiet of or the sadness of yeah the quiet i think it's called the quiet sadness the quiet of mario sadness, galaxy yeah. 
Yeah, um, I gotta and, watch that. And it specifically uh, dives into the opening of this game, which is Mario's going to the castle, and then suddenly Bowser shows up with an airship and literally is bombing the Mushroom Kingdom, uh, and and oh, and you know so starts starts attacking the place, and you as Mario are just running around as these bombs are falling onto the Mushroom Kingdom, uh, and then suddenly aliens show up from space and then cut a hole around the 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 castle, and and the and the aliens and Bowser in conjunction with one another pick it up and lift it into space and Mario is stuck on this thing and it's like the wildest how okay it's wild enough that Bowser's bombing the place but then aliens show up and now you're in space this is wild and then suddenly it cuts to Mario waking up on a little tiny planet and there's a little jingle that goes like and then you're just (laughs) stuck on this little tiny green planet and there's a rabbit there staring at you and it's completely silent and there's almost no music at all and it's like that that is the brilliance of this game to me that moment um, and then the way that that continues to evolve as you jump into these wild planets and then leave and you're back on the ship and there's you know kind of just like a nice little jingle playing as you just kind of like explore this place that is dead and you're bringing it back to life in conjunction with the story of Rosalina which as you learn more and more of it is like extremely sad and gets to the little prince thing that you were talking yeah, about. Yeah the, the artwork is like very little prince and that's I think like I almost wish that was more in the spotlight because it feels like the yeah. setup is like go save Peach. But then Rosalina is like telling a story, not even to Mario, but to all the Lumas. She's like, let's revisit my tragic backstory uh, and yeah. opens a book in the library. Yeah, that 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 is, I think, the charm of the game, too, because Little Prince is like like they're both set in space, but it's set in space in a very dreamlike way it's not star trek like i opened this segment with it's very right. like you're <laughs> yeah. just kind of flying around and exploring and i think the idea of like the 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 gravitational like pull of things and being on a planet is like really well done that's like what this game like the added dimension yeah. to because i think you know you have the jump from super mario worlds to mario 64 is dimensional uh the jump yeah. from 64 to sunshine is a fever dream <laughs> uh but then yeah. the, the jump from from those two games to this is another dimension it's you're you're adding you know like a a, a rotary aspect to things and um you know it, it's really it, it just feels really good i think this game also shines like i'm not as into the levels where they don't let you go into space like there are some levels where it's like a big like i love the yeah. penguins but like this every water level in nintendo sucks like it's just bad uh, <laughs> i agree but like i think it's best like i i mentioned before off air the space junk galaxy is my favorite because like oh, the, so the visuals of mario like actually in space and like thinking about like how do i pull myself gravitationally to this new area and the boss fights are also very clever like the first one is this like leg robot and it you can see like kind of gravitational arrows going up and i think this game also does a great job of like this is a very out there concept to a lot of people i think like even to people who have played a lot of mario like it's a lot to get used to it's a little bit it plays a little bit with like your sense of like depth and motion it could it could be a little disorienting yeah it takes a long time well not a long time but it takes a while to get used to it's like it's a miracle that it works at all but the game appropriately appropriately tutorializes things i was thinking about this like you can see a very different teaching style in these three games like 64 Mm. tells you nothing it doesn't even tell you how to select the level and i actually loved as a kid it was like so mysterious to discover like oh shit i have to jump in the painting like i saw it wiggle when i was near like is that 
how I choose a level. That's insane. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sunshine. Okay, I'll I'll be honest too. I, I put in. I've I've just started Sunshine for the first time, and I'm enjoying aspects of it. But like the beginning is is it is so bizarre, and it takes forever. Yes. It's like a forty really minute does. backstory. I was not <laughs> expecting the 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 flood uh, water gun to talk. And it talks to you for like, <laughs> it's literally like comparing like the compa- the beginning of Galaxy is like the beginning of Skyrim where it's like, you know, exciting and boom and dragons and you're in. And yeah. the beginning of Sunshine is Morrowind. It's like, let's fill out like logistical paperwork and have a water gun <laughs> tell you how to play the game. And it's like that to me, like I'm sure I'll enjoy it as I play it more. And, and you know, I, I'm excited for that segment because we have a friend Don who like loves that game. And I really want to hear why because I'm so new to it. But it's that game. The tutorial gets so in the way of the fun. It like ruins the beginning of that game, in my opinion. Yeah. Whereas this game, like it wants you to succeed seed at a really new idea you know and and it 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 sets you up for success in a very like it's a good middle ground between the nothing of 64 and the like encyclopedia of sunshine well what i noticed playing 64 and then sunshine is the speed and like the momentum it changes a lot when you get to galaxy Mm. i mean uh I was playing uh, Sunshine with my partner who has not played many of the Mario games and she was surprised at how slow it was. And I, it dawned on me like, yeah, this is super slow. You're mm. like crawling. You, you're trying to nail these very meticulous jumps. It's a very slow pace. You have to be very like, you know, accurate and precise in the way you play it. And I think that's why Galaxy speaks to me a lot because when I play games, a lot of the times I'm looking for speed and momentum. I mean, like one of my favorite games when I, I think I played it a lot in college is that Incredible Hulk, like destroy all the, yeah. the, the open world Hulk game where you can just like tear through a city and destroy everything. Yeah, totally. It's a great That's game. That's the kind of shit that, I mean, I get a lot of joy from doing that. So when a Mario game came out, that was like, we're not going to make you try to like triple jump onto this tiny little beam at the top of the level to grab the star. This game is going to be, I mean, that's why I used the term earlier, like a marvel of engineering. Mm-hmm. And Brendan, you said, you said it was like a railroad experience. And I think that's where it all comes together for me that you are like running at like, a super fast pace through these levels. And the game is engineered to have it kind of blowing past you. Again, it's kind of like Space Mountain where like you're on a track and if you stay on the track and you buy into it and you you run at the speed that it wants you to and it's set to that music, it's an incredible experience. Yeah. Like, like you don't really get from other platformers. I don't think I've ever, except parts of Mario Odyssey. I mean, it's a, it is kind of like a roller coaster of a Mario game, which to me is like... That was the step this series needed to take. They needed to give it more momentum because Sunshine is a drag. (laughs) In a lot of ways, it is a drag to play. It's so fucking slow. It's very different. It's got a very different intention. And I think it was like, you know, you have the same parkour mechanics from 64 in Galaxy. Like I've gotten so used to the idea of like hitting Z before A to do that, like woo! Oh, I love that. But like yeah. in, yeah, in Sunshine, it's, it's like you just like shoot water out when I do that. So, um, <laughs> and I, I'm not trying to bash Sunshine because I do want to yeah, give I it don't more time. Just shit on but Sunshine. no, but I think I think it's worth comparing the two because they're. I think you're right that Sunshine is focused on precision. 
And it's focused on almost puzzle solving over like this kind of breeze of galaxy where it's like platforming and joy and introducing new concepts and things like yeah, that. It's like, exactly. let's just see how much we can do with the flood system, essentially. And I, and I think it's informed by the times because I think that Gal- uh, Sunshine came out at a time where like it was 2002. I think the term sandbox was like the new novelty. So I think the idea of having a focus on the hub world and like that aspect of Mario was appealing for that time, you know, because that was also, you know, the the Mario 64 castle and everything was the fully realized version of like the the map in in Mario worlds which yeah. we weirdly went back to in 3D worlds. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think I think it's not a coincidence that if you love Galaxy this much you weren't as into Sunshine. And I could totally see why if someone didn't like Galaxy that they would love Sunshine because it's doing something very different. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it it really does seem like they're kind of different vibes for different people. Um Dom, I'm curious as a person who loves Galaxy and Galaxy 2 um, how, how did you feel about 3D uh, World on the Wii U? Um, I mean, I only tried it because you recommended it to me, Steve. I would never have gotten it normally because I, mm. I felt really bummed out when I saw the announcement of like this. After everything that's happened with the Wii U, this is the Mario game they're going to do. Like they're not going to give us a new platformer. They're not going to give us like a main series 3D Mario game. They're going to give us this weird thing. But then when I played it, yeah, it, it does have the quality of sort of like a celebration of Mario games, which I can appreciate. Yeah. But I will always dig like the 3D main series Mario games more than... To me, 3D World or 3D Land, whichever one, that to me is the... It stays in the line of like Super Mario World, New Super Mario Brothers. I, to me, like I see that 3D falling into that series more than this series. Interesting. I, I, the, the reason We're I, both like, I you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. <laughs> no, 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 I don't think you're wrong at all. I mean, to keep the, the Disney World analogy going. Sorry, that's so scary. <laughs> uh, to keep the Disney World analogy going, I, I would consider, you know, Super Mario Galaxy is a theme park and 3D World is just a park, right? There's no theme. It's removing the space concept from it, right? Like Galaxy, yeah. I think, works as well as it does because space is infinite and unknowable and like kind of scary at times. And that's why there's endless possibility. That's why every planet you go to can be a completely new thing with new mechanics and new ideas and new creatures on it, right? 3D World, to me, feels like Nintendo saying, what if we took all the effort we put into like the overarching theme and just took that out completely and took all that effort and put it into just making like quick hit enjoyable experiences you know that 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 don't need to be linked literally at all um, yeah it's like an espresso that, shot of mario it's just like the the finest most condensed exactly. elements yeah exactly and yeah. and steven you and i were talking on the phone yesterday about galaxy um specifically saying like there are in, there are moments in galaxy where you're just getting into the level and then it ends you know which like is very yeah. much a nintendo move i, I think generally is like okay we're gonna we're gonna give you this new thing you're gonna love it and then as soon as you want more we're gonna move you on to the next one um where i think 3d world succeeds is that that part happens like three quarters of the way into most of the levels and then you're like wow this is amazing i can't believe it great 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 and then there's a conclusion and then you move on yeah. to the next level the thing about galaxy though is that you're going back to that level over and over again right there are multiple stars to get there there are secret stars to get there so you do actually like get to revisit the thing that you loved uh, at a certain point but but i do think that is the kind of interesting delineation between galaxy and 3d world i think they're 
trying to do very similar things. They're saying like, okay, space is infinite and you don't know what could be out there. So everything is out there and we're allowed to try literally anything that's on our minds um, and develop that into a world. 3D World is doing the same thing, but there's no reason behind it. There's no there's no like core concept. It just is Mario. I honestly too like I think I mean you brought up Don that you consider the 3D World not a mainline entry, but it's in like the new Mario Brothers universe. But 3D yeah. World was the mainline entry for the Wii U, and honestly. I blame yeah. that game's... I mean, it did well as a Mario game. But, like, in, in the critical discussion of Mario, I think that game is always lower than it should be because of how it's named. Like, truly. I think yeah, calling I it 3D World and being on the That's Wii U true. is, like, you're immediately the opening band, like, no matter how good you are. Yeah, yeah uh, they were trying to evoke Super Mario World, right? They were trying to say, this is the next yeah. big step for the franchise. And what they actually ended up doing was saying, yeah, you're the opening band for what is going to turn <laughs> yeah. into Odyssey. Right. That's true. True. But I, I mean, I think I think that I definitely in playing Galaxy now have even a stronger appreciation for it. Um, and I do think you're right, Don, that like it definitely like kind of recalibrated the series into a more exciting direction. Because you have like yeah. you have the, the book is closed on 2D Mario with Super Mario World. That is like right. the perf- I mean, I love Mario 3 as, as well, but yeah. that's like, OK, like we're adding Yoshi, which is not even something you ever thought was possible. We've added a lizard horse yeah. that has changed the game. <laughs> yeah. uh, and and opening the new book with 64 and like and that's i think the thing that i'm like really really receiving now thinking about games as an adult and not as a kid is like yeah this is a new dimension like the fact that these three games are as good as they are is a testament to nintendo's forward thinking and really because i think that this is like if you just look at these three games 64 proved you could do mario in 3d sunshine was a, a different take at the same idea and then galaxy like prove that there was a future for it. You know, it, it's a proof of yeah. concept in a trio, basically, which is kind of interesting to experience. Something that I wanted to make sure I mentioned to you guys was, uh, I think, again, like the momentum. I, I always go back to like momentum in Mario games. Yeah. I think the reason we play Mario games is because it's fun to like control Mario. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think in Galaxy... It's like the fully realized version that you see in later games with all the mechanics that we love. I always think of, uh, I'm a big fan of David Lynch, and there's this David Lynch quote about how he finally learned how to do a dolly shot. And, you know, a dolly shot in filmmaking is the camera is on wheels and it it rolls into something. So, uh, he said that, you know, for years, him and his production team were trying to figure out the perfect amount of weight to put on the dolly that would make it like go at a good enough speed that you could see what's going on, but also arrive at a stop at, at enough of like a pace that like doesn't feel like jolting. Mm. And I think about Mario like that, that like David Lynch discovered that if he put this certain size sandbag on his dolly, he got these perfect dolly shots that were, they were heavy enough to go across. They stopped at the right speed and they felt like natural enough to like leave an impact. And that's what Galaxy feels like to me. Like they finally figured out, because you see how they're f- trying to figure it out in 64 and Sunshine. And then Galaxy, it's like you you don't feel weightless. You feel weighed down. But gravity is still, you know, it. It, it's still there, but you are moving at such a good natural speed that you can just pick it up. And I mean, 
and then you see that in Odyssey, where you know you know how to control Mario because you know how much he weighs. Yeah, it's so cool. that's a really great observation, and that's something that we even see in the two D ones. Like, there's a meter added in Mario Three mm-hmm. that shows like how much momentum you built up, and you can even feel it in sixty four, where like when you when you go forward, there's like a skipped beat, like he's like kind of getting ready to walk, and then kind of gets yeah. into a, a groove. And that's why I think Mario sixty four is much better in the bigger moments because when you're on narrow platforms, it's really hard to control him. You know, because he like gets so excited to start. You're like, dude, you're on a bridge. Like, chill. Uh, <laughs> um, and and in Sunshine, there's almost no momentum because you have the flood thing, which right. isn't bad, the but flood. it's 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 so different that I I can see why it, it's it is literally a sandbag that's too heavy. Yeah, that he's wearing right. on his back. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think I think Galaxy found the right way, and and Odyssey only one ups Galaxy by being like, now you know how to control Mario. How do you feel about controlling everyone else? You know, you have the ability to yeah, throw exactly. your hat and literally control everyone else on the level which is a brilliant like that's the only way to one up space is <laughs> is to be others you know like literally like we've we've gone as far so as a setting can go but now like you know playing as a lava ball or playing as a literally stack of steak like the the things you embody in that game are ridiculous <laughs> yeah. so i but i think you're right i think galaxy found the momentum and and gravity is such a central theme in that game uh that that it's so important that, that they nailed it and they did yeah uh, it, lo- it looks like timing wise, it might be time for us to wrap up this segment of the okay. bonus episode. But Dom, I, I want to leave the last uh, the last notes to you. Do you have anything else you want to say about Mario Galaxy? Yeah, the, the one other thing I wrote down is I've been listening you know, to your podcast all the time. And, and you're the last episode, I think, or one of the last ones that you mentioned 3D All-Stars in this Mario celebration. You guys were talking about what you think might happen after this game is not available anymore. Yeah. And um, I think they're going to bring out Zant. <laughs> <laughs> after 500 years, I'm free! Yeah, yeah. everybody thinks year, next year being the, year the, the 35th anniversary of Zelda is going to be a big, exciting time. They're going to re-release Ocarina and Majora's Mask. It's going to be... <laughs> yeah, it, nobody's nobody's thinking about the fact that it's Zant's eleventh anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> what I wanted, in all seriousness, though, what I wanted to say is what I think you guys missed, and what no one is talking about is Mario Odyssey came out on October twenty seventh, two thousand seventeen. I don't see why Nintendo would be against making a sequel to Odyssey. Yeah. And I'm not exactly saying that maybe, you know, on October 27th, all of a sudden Odyssey 2 is going to come out. But they made a sequel to Galaxy a few years after. I think the Odyssey format is a good format. Yeah. I would not be surprised if at the end of this celebration, they're going to announce a sequel to Odyssey. I think that's a great point. And the fact that Odyssey 2 is, you have this kind of mechanic of of possessing others, you know, you can really change it up by just adding new characters, right? Yeah. yeah. Or even, you know, I mean, Odyssey takes, even though it has that kind of grand feeling of, of Galaxy, it is all on one planet. I think you can definitely expand from there. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a great point. Also, the fact that Odyssey is a little bit more focused on characters, that there are more, like, yeah, more faces, <laughs> the weird rabbits, like Spewart. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> I would love to see them come back. I think that'd be fun. I think yeah. you're right. But who knows? Again, it's Nintendo, so like that's true. We yeah. have no idea. But uh, that's a good that's a good point to bring up. Yeah, they could release like Mario Darts. That will be the big <laughs> <laughs> featuring Zant. Something, something like yeah, Mario thirty five or something. You know, like thirty five yeah. Mario's running around playing simultaneously. Who knows? Mario, yeah, Mario one twenty eight. Yeah, we do know that three D World is coming to Switch, and there's like a new part of it added, Bowser's Fury. Right. 
So there's that. Oh, I think Bowser's Fury is also going to be a uh, darts, a Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> you really feel the weight of Mario as he dodges out of the way. <laughs> I was going to keep thinking of texting you that, Stephen. What if Bowser's Fury is a Dark Souls game? <laughs> You somehow find things to say that make me quiet. Like that's like your ultimate <laughs> goal. Is like you just you you stun me with zant. I would love a, cool. I would love an Odyssey too. I think one thing that I me meant too. to mention in the intro and then also at the top of this and and forgot is like I've said this on the show before, but I'm a person who doesn't get excited about Mario games until I have one in my hands. Like they announce one, I'm like, okay, cool, Mario, great. You know, and then yeah, I'm didn't like, didn't you say Galaxy? You weren't too into Galaxy, right? I heard you on one of the past yeah, podcasts. Yeah, Gal- Galaxy I got and then just kind of like, I, like Steven, I kind of played through it in like a blur and then I don't really have a memory of it, which is why it's been so interesting to be playing it again. I have I have like almost completely turned around on it the more I've been playing it. I mean, yeah. it. I, I think uh, a lot of it is just that I'm thinking about games in a different way than I was when I played it the first time. But yeah, I... I Mario is such an interesting franchise for me, and it's why I'm so excited to be doing this bonus episode, because revisiting these now, having connections with them in the past, instead of something like Odyssey, which is like, I guess I'm excited for a new Mario to come out, and then I get it. I'm like, holy shit, this is incredible. Oh, yeah. Is, is, I mean, people talk about Breath of the Wild as like the big Switch game, but Odyssey, man, is so good. Odyssey is an incredible Odyssey thing. Odyssey is yeah. so good. Yeah. For their respective franchises, I mean, I think like... You know, I think I think with Breath of the Wild, you have simultaneously being like a reinvention of Zelda, also a celebration of Zelda and a reinvention of a sand open world RPG. Like yeah, there's a lot more true. lightning bolts striking, I think. But you're right that like when you look at the Mario series and, and, and playing these games has made me realize how much I love the Odyssey because that is really as close yeah. to perfect as you get. Like truly, I think yeah. I, I, for a 3D Mario. I mean, Breath of the Wild redefined the sandbox, but in Mario Odyssey, you can be a meatball. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing I, I think that uh 64 galaxy and odyssey are very invested in spectacle they want you to feel like it's an adventure and you definitely feel yes. that in odyssey even as like a you know late 20 early 30 year old like it feels like you're seven again you know and, and experiencing this new thing yeah i love that um yeah space Space Mario Galaxy, go. a good video game. Uh, Mario 35th anniversary <laughs> collection for the Nintendo Thanks. Switch. It's good. Thank you for joining us, Dom. Uh, any, Thanks, anything God. else you want to say? Pleasure. Anything you want to plug before we let you go back into the void? Yeah, where can people find you on the That's internet, Dom? It. I'm. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dominic Nero, and I'm writing a lot these days for Esquire, doing a lot of essays and stuff. So cool. Check me out on Esquire.com. Yeah, I love to and check out Zant just in general. <laughs> I'll Look also I'll once again plug your interview with Tony Hawk about the remaster for that. Oh, it was thanks. really great. I I, I love that piece. I also want to plug your piece about Boys State, which is completely unrelated to video games, but was extremely good. Oh, thank you. Thanks, guys. Um, Whatever. Cool. Sorry. Here I go. Wahoo. The indifferent. Here I go. Wahoo. It's great. Uh, All right. Thank you so much for joining us. Bye, Dom. Okay. See you guys. Have a good day. Good luck talking about Mario for the next like 12 hours. <laughs> yeah, dude. Thank you so much. We're both growing mustaches over here. All right. Bye. Uh, Zant is tall, slender, being dressed in black. Baggy clothing decorated with turquoise twilight symbols on his sleeves. Sleeves of his. Hello and welcome back. 
to this very special bonus episode of Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. You already know that because you're over an hour and a half in probably at this point. Uh, we are now joined by my good friend, uh, one of my best friends, and a pro gamer, Pablo Marty. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. How's it going? It's so great. We're, I'm so glad to have you on the show. I haven't heard a lot of people or I haven't seen a lot of people in general make Steven laugh as hard as you have in the past. So I'm just like really wow. excited to invite your particular brand of chaos onto the show um, <laughs> to talk about Mario Sunshine, which is the second game that we're talking about from the Super Mario. Uh, was it 3D All-Stars collection? Yeah. Um, and, and we wanted to bring you on specifically because this is the game that you were most excited about. This is the one that you were like most amped to get your hands on, play again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think uh, as we generally start, with most stuff on the show, um, but particularly in this episode, just curious, like what your background is with Mario Sunshine uh, and, and why this was like so thrilling to get your hands on again. Yeah, sure. Um, so I think that like for me, the uh, OK, so very back to story or whatever. <laughs> uh, the first game I can recall playing on my own, like not, not none of that. You went to your cousins and played this one video game right, on the right. NES. Like my first video game was mario 64 mm-hmm. very cool but i was you know like eight maybe six so you, you had an n64 and you had mario 64 yes that's awesome yes wow you were but, you were the cool kid in town yeah i was very cool i was still playing fucking comic zone on my sega genesis <laughs> <laughs> bubsy 1d <laughs> <laughs> I did as, he, as I did have a cousin who like only had three games on Sega, which like was this kind of peep into the other world. Because I also always had Nintendo. Mm, okay. So yeah. like maybe we were was secretly it? cousins, Brendan. Uh, <laughs> Pablo, you had a, you had an N64. Yeah. So, you know, flash forward. What is it like six years later when Gamey comes out? Um, that was like the thing. I wanted a GameCube so bad. Um, I didn't get it when it came out on launch for Christmas, but I got it in february for my birthday which ruled that was sick and then i got sunshine yeah. yes was such it, a good game like was it a launch title did it come out like around the same time as the gamecube i cannot tell you <laughs> i think it was a little later I'm, I'm pretty sure luigi's mansion was the launch title yes yes was yes, it yeah. really uh, yeah and then uh because i think gamecube came out like 2001 and sunshine was 2002 if i if i'm Correct. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. So it was like not a launch title, but very soon after, mm-hmm. which is kind of a GameCube is summed up by the fact that Luigi got a head start over Mario, I think, in terms <laughs> of like their the real creative direction and everything. And I think that that identity also leads into uh, Sunshine, because in Luigi's Mansion, you had the like vacuum cleaner. Uh, developed by Professor E. Gad, uh, <laughs> and they were showing off those big shoulder buttons that had that click. Uh, and same thing in Sunshine. You also developed by EGAD connection there. Yeah. Plot wise, lore right. wise. Whoa. Yeah, you weird that they the, were trying uh, to like flood. force Doctor or Professor EGAD into into the like Mario <laughs> canon because he doesn't really show up again after GameCube that much, except for the Luigi's Mansion stuff, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. they really wanted him to stick around, but alas. Anyway, Pablo, so you got this your birthday. You had GameCube finally, and Sunshine was was sort of the the ray of the future with it. So how did that go? Oh. it's hard to put into words how much i like love that game and think about being like in that era of of gaming i think that for me the gamecube is the golden age of game like personally like like everything that i love about video games is is from that era wind waker uh sunshine those are the only two games that are good (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh-huh. No, but it was it was the generation that seemed to resonate with you the most. I mean, you're also at that age where like you're able to have a little bit more agency in what you're yeah. consuming. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I totally understand that. Yeah, it's like that that ten or eleven years old kind of like you're first starting to really like form your own opinions about the stuff that you're doing. And you're like yeah, exactly deciding what is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, being on the beach forever is kind of very good so. <laughs> i'm just thinking like back jumping to, into art i want to go on the beach i'm just thinking about when the gamecube came out i do remember i think rogue squadron that star wars game was oh also one God. of the large titles and i remember being at somebody's house and seeing rogue squadron for the first time and i still had only the sega genesis and i was just like this is gaming wild. <laughs> yeah, this is, that's yeah, what i said this is gaming i was 10 years old i went this is gaming i looked yeah, right at the camera when i said it and the audience went wild (laughs) sweetie how's your sleepover epic and then you went to your room (laughs) so mario sunshine is this your favorite mario game it doesn't have to be but is it the long story is no (laughs) (laughs) that's a a short long story my friend yeah i know right um i i have a fear and i think my fear is that galaxy is going to be my favorite game Mm. um the big caveat is that i've only played one level our dear friend christina's house like 10 years ago Mm. um and i was like this game rules yeah but didn't have a wii didn't have the means to get a wii at the time so it just never happened yeah now i own it and i'm putting it off for as long as possible because i know (laughs) that i'm gonna play it and then and then 10 years are gonna buy go by and i'm like oh the rest of my life happened, but it's gonna yeah. be like the Woody and Buzz scene where like you're playing around with Galaxy and there's like a dusty copy of Sunshine and like yes. you know <laughs> with your name written in marker on the back and Randy <laughs> Newman is singing. Um, I, if there's one thing I do know about you, it is that you really do take your times with the games that you pick up, or you take your time with the games that you pick up generally. Um, so it doesn't surprise me at all that you're like I'm gonna finish all of Sunshine first before I get to Galaxy. That totally tracks for your totally for your vibe. Um. <laughs> That said, um, Stephen, how about you? What is your uh, what's your sunshine Me? history? Yeah, you. <laughs> I I miss this game somehow. So here I am. Uh, I got my version of that because I'm, I'm a few years older. So like I had that I think sunshine moment with 64, mm-hmm. where like you know I had Mario World when I was younger because my sister, my older sister, had the consoles. She was the gamer, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I was just sort of a baby that was near. Um, <laughs> but then when I became sentient, I was like, oh shit, this is what I like. This is what I want. Getting that kind of early life agency. Yeah. With GameCube, I- I'm with you, Pablo. I really like GameCube for Nintendo specifically. I mean, that generation overall for everyone is very interesting. So you mm-hmm. got the first Xbox, you have PS2, which is definitely like Sony's peak, you know, in terms yeah. of just overall library. Um, Watch out, gamers. <laughs> <laughs> That's like me. That was a Cupid arrow to my heart. That was a mid-thought. Watch out, gamers just fucked me up. I'm uh, sorry. No, please. That's why we have you on. You're great. Um, and GameCube, I think, was Nintendo being like, because the 64 was was truly like it's obvious, but it's truly worth remembering. Like that was them trying to translate all their games into a new dimension. You know, that was. It's amazing that that system is halfway mm-hmm. as good as it is because that's such a. They had to rethink everything. Yeah. So GameCube kind of is a big step forward, you know, in the graphical quality. But like, I think they really had to think about like, well, how do we 
how do we keep things fresh? Because I think at that time, especially, they were they hadn't yet fallen into the let's just keep doing the same thing pitfall yet. They were still like, <laughs> how do we change this up? Right. So a lot of but their games... They were also simultaneously <clears throat> in this weird space where they were like almost kind of still trying to compete with Sony and with Microsoft a little bit. Like mm-hmm. graphically, mm-hmm. yeah. When the yeah, GameCube totally. came out, it was like, oh yeah, third party developers are also going to have their games come out on GameCube. They're going to be on all three consoles, you know, where like I think very quickly everybody realized that the game cube just like wasn't up to snuff there just like wasn't mm-hmm. powerful enough and that is like the last time that nintendo really tried doing that. yeah i mean when the Wii tried to do that it was like you know last minute motion controls and it looked like it was unrendered you know so yeah. like, uh, and, then, um, and then the launch titles for wii u because you had like batman arkham city that had like some weird stuff with the with the gamepad but like really oh I, I think this is kind of the uh the end of nintendo trying to play ball with everybody else and like more just kind of beating uh its own drum in that way yeah, mm-hmm. so in terms of like <clears throat> what I got on the GameCube, remember I got Luigi's Mansion and Melee when it came out, and that was like that kept me occupied for a while. I remember I really liked Luigi's Mansion, and more on that later because there's a lot of <laughs> vacuum parallel happening here. But for whatever reason, I don't know why I didn't get Sunshine, I'm, and I'm not sure because like I got every other like first party game I had. I even had the weird Star Fox Dinosaur Planet. So <gasps> like you know, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> It, 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 a lot of the first party GameCube stuff was like big deviations from tradition that either mm-hmm. like really paid off or really didn't. So you had Wind Waker, which I'm with you, Pablo, I think is like one of my favorite Zeldas. Uh, <sighs> and, and it really, it, it both narratively and mechanically kind of changed things and, and was almost, mm-hmm. uh, it was the first Zelda, at least in my, if memory serves, that called on past entries. Like, it referred to the events of Ocarina, like, in the game. Mm. It was the first time that had happened, other than Majora's Mask, which, like, was a direct sequel. But, like, this is the first time that a game took place, like, in a different era, and they were still calling out old games. So, <clears throat> yeah, I uh, I just wanted to touch on that, because I think that that kind of GameCube vibe is very present in Sunshine. But mm. I missed it uh, when it originally came out. I always wanted to play it. And that, that was actually something that I was really excited about with 3D All-Stars. I'm like, oh my god, I'm getting two of my favorite Mario games in one package and and the one I never got. And that's mm-hmm. also one that's never been re-released. Like, at least with 64, you have the DS port. Right, and, right, right. And Galaxy is, like, you know, recent enough that it's not, like, a super hard game to find. And you can play it on the Wii U if you still have one of those. <laughs> uh, yeah. <What's> that? <laughs> one of those old things. Um, the thing collecting dust in my ottoman that opens up for some reason? <laughs> <laughs> the thing that mutters kill me whatever I'm here. um yeah that's that's my sunshine uh experience and i'll save my uh current experience with it once we have all gone so brendan what's your sunshine history yeah um so i just didn't play it man <laughs> it was like it, it was the game that i would uh want to like watch my friends play when i went to their houses you know because you would go to their house and they'd be like it's a single player game you can't play you know like but you can watch if you want you know and then oh, just man. Like, i did that to my friends but with oblivion and they were just like screaming at me like please they're like stop just talking to people fight someone stop doing alchemy stop uh, sleeping anyway. until you memorize the days of the week <laughs> <laughs> How many times do you need to turtles. say the word Terdis before you memorize it? <laughs> Steven Jr. prom is tomorrow. We've got to think about things. <laughs> Terdis. You haven't asked anyone yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm busy. <laughs> I'm busy. It's Terdis. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so happy it's Terdis. <laughs> 
Um, anyway, yeah, so that, that was kind of my experience with Sunshine was I just like watched other people play it all the time. Um, I was really stoked. I got a, I got a DS like right when they came out and I got uh, Mario 64 and played that. And that was kind of my like, I would say big entry into the 3D Mario stuff because before that I'd mm-hmm. really only played um, whatever was released on the Game Boy or Game Boy Advance. So that is actually how I went back and played like the history of Mario stuff originally was like Super Mario Brothers Deluxe on the Game Boy Color um, and then all the like Super Nintendo re-releases on Game Boy Advance. But uh but you know eventually i got a wii and that's how i played galaxy and that was like from that point on i was just kind of like head over heels for nintendo stuff so gamecube is weirdly as a whole this like weird just kind of like th- this black hole of 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 uh of uh nintendo that i like didn't really get to interact with or check out and i've like tried to dip my toes in here and there i actually bought a gamecube used from game uh, from gamestop like years ago uh it was like 40 dollars, and it came with a controller and a memory card which was wild but then wow. you know the real struggle was trying to get your hands on the games because game? yeah yeah because they're all so expensive and they don't make them anymore and nobody ever turns in a copy of mario sunshine um so you know i just couldn't find one um but that is how i went back and played stuff like wind waker and uh you know other other things Um, i'm trying to think of what else uh uh well melee is is you know the big one i wanted to get like a physical copy of melee um donkey konga donkey konga you know (laughs) um (laughs) things like that which you know there are hundreds of copies of donkey konga used in in the gamestop anyway so yeah, GameCube is just this weird like kind of uh, this like missing link for me. Um, I loved the GameCube whenever I visited friends' houses who had them and like always deeply wanted one. But I was a I was a PS2 kid, man. I I had Spider Man <laughs> and I had Ultimate Spider Man and I had Spider Man Two. Uh, so like you know I was good on my end. But yeah, I I also like you, Stephen. This is the game I think that I was most excited to check out um, and like finally put some real time into and like kind of understand and see where it where it comes from. And I think that now is kind of a good place to transition a little bit into like the the vibe that this game has. I think amongst just like the zeitgeist, which is that it is like the bad one, which is wild. You know, th- this is the one that people say is like probably the weakest, especially of these three, you know, that are in this collection. Oh. Um, people are like, oh, yeah, this is kind of like the weird redheaded stepchild of, of the other ones. But uh, it's the one that I was most excited to check out, um, mainly because we we had just played Galaxy uh, for the first part of this episode. Uh, it's worth noting we're recording these, you know, multiple days later, so we have time to play the games and stuff in between. But we had we had played Galaxy, uh, and and Stephen, you and I had played all three a little bit before we recorded that. But like, I hadn't really dug deeply into Sunshine yet, and neither had you. Um, and sixty four is one of those games that like I know so well that I kind of don't really need to play a lot. I mean, I'm going to uh, after this, but uh, I, I didn't really need. But what I learned by playing a bunch of Galaxy in this collection and then playing a bunch of 64 in this collection is like 64 has a lot of camera issues that are really hard to kind of uh, work around. Um, Mm -hmm. It's especially difficult, I think, now with like modern sensibilities, like the one thing in that game that doesn't age that well, because it's like the first time it ever happened. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. the invention of of a user controlled camera. (laughs) Like, of course, it's not the best. Um, (laughs) But it's like the one thing that doesn't age well and it's a little bit rough and there are like a couple things here and there that don't feel like super great. But on the whole, 64 ages like surprisingly well and still plays really well. Galaxy also plays wonderfully and is an incredible game. I and mean, we, we just wax poetic about it with Dom. But but the thing that really struck me about playing Galaxy is like they really ham fisted a lot of 
Wii motion stuff in there. You know, there's like a lot of if you're playing on handheld touching the screen, which like isn't intuitive and doesn't feel good. Uh, if you're playing uh, with a pro controller, it's like weird to do the motion stuff with a pro controller. Um, the only way it kind of feels good is is with the Joy-Cons, uh, one in each hand. And like even that is like, OK, you can tell that the game wasn't built for this, but they've kind of figured out a way to make it work. Um, so there's a lot of that happening in Galaxy and Sunshine is the one I was most looking forward to playing because on the GameCube, that thing just released with a GameCube controller. It was just a normal gamepad. That's all it was. So now I'm playing this one again with just a normal gamepad in my hands. Like I'm playing it almost exactly the way it was made. It's not the invention of a new kind of video <laughs> game. And it's not right, right. and it's not trying to uh, do some things uh, or it's not built around some ideas that the Switch doesn't also contain, you know. Um, so it's kind of the most native one, weirdly, in this in this trifecta, which I, I, I thought was really exhilarating. And I've been having a really interesting time with it. Uh, it's it's a really it's a really, I think, good game. Um, I do understand where some of the criticisms are coming from, but I want to hand it over uh, to you, Pablo, the big fan um, before mm. uh, getting into any of that stuff deeper. But I will say that I'm having a really fun time with it. And I'm like, so, so glad to be able to finally play it now. Um, but anyway. Pablo, what's up? What do you think of Sunshine? Yeah, if anyone thinks it's bad, they should tweet at me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's your Twitter? No. <laughs> it's Danger Butts, Hob. Yeah. More on that later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so part of, I think, my, my love for this game is that I lost it for like seven years. Um, for the last seven years, like I played it a lot as a kid mm -hmm. and then there's the like high school where i'm like oh i don't play gamecube games anymore i play xbox games and i'm cool i'm cool <laughs> junior promise tomorrow i'm cool <laughs> <laughs> and then i lost <laughs> no I, I lost my train of thought no um i lost my copy and like we were saying before finding a copy is impossible or it has to cost 70 dollars yeah which yeah you know I, could not afford for a very long time. Um, but then finally I could, and now I can get three games. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. This rules. So coming back to it was, uh, it was so nice. It, it, it was the, the beach vacation that I wasn't able to take this year. Um, yeah. And I'm feeling I, that in a big way. I, it's super right. coming from. Yeah. I mean, the whole vibe of the game is that they're the Mario peach and their toad friends are going on vacation. I want to know a little bit more about that. But. Yeah, this strange, like, Sully-esque Professor Toad is like, <laughs> like it's so strange. Well, yeah. I have so much to say about the story of this game. I'm going to keep quiet for uh, now. But, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, there's the bizarre old Toad with them. Yeah, that guy. What's up with that guy? <laughs> so, uh, I, I don't know. It, like, it felt like going back home after being away for a couple of years where you, yeah. you, or maybe like, like a decade where you, you like walk into the, to the house, you're like, oh, that's where that painting was. And oh, I remember this staircase being weird with this one stair being creaky mm. and you know, the flood talking to you for some reason. Um, <laughs> and, and all the like Del, Delphini, Delphinians. Del, Delphino. Oh yeah. Yeah. I guess Delphinotions. Delphin I love Delphinotions. <laughs> If that's not if that's not canon, then it's our canon. Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah, all the Delphinotions, like the the like papaya looking ass people. Uh, it the game is like pure happiness to me. It's just a shot of pure like serotonin just straight into my brain, and it's. 
perfect and exactly what I needed in the year of 2020, September. Yeah. I mean, I totally get that that return to a beloved setting. Like you described it as going back home. I mean, I think that's something that can that can really make going back to older games so enjoyable. Like if you have that kind of unconscious association, I feel that way with um, Ocarina of Time or like if I pick that game up now with no prior memory, oh my God. figuring out how to find the sword and the shield would be like really unintuitive and frustrating. Yeah, but I Absolutely. know like it's it's like waking up to me and I can I am back. I'm back Gokiri Forest and it's <laughs> so nice. And yeah, I mean, I think um I guess to, to sort of add like my observations about the game. Like, I think the setting is definitely worth pointing out. I think that's probably the best thing about the game is like, you know, Mario so often before and after this is this kind of sampler platter of settings. Mm -hmm. Even Galaxy, which is in space, is like, this is the forest planet. This is the junk planet. This yeah, planet's right, right, right. made of cake. You know, like, it's not really... You, you seldom actually do feel like you're in space because usually the levels have a different vibe. Unless you're, you know, on Rosalina's space space, then it's very clear. Um, but with Delfino Plaza and even with the levels that you find within Delfino, it is right. all summer vacation. Um, and I think that, that that is really enjoyable and, and something that I that I tweeted that I think kind of to me sums up the entire game, both the things you can criticize and the things you can really highlight is that this to me is Nintendo's direct response to Banjo-Kazooie. You know, I think Mario 64 came out and, and set the foundation for a 3D platformer. And then later on in the 64's, uh, you know, lifespan, Rare came out like with their own kind of twists on that idea. Yeah. And Banjo-Kazooie and Donkey Kong 64 both are games that are less interested in platforming and more about exploration and more about like mm -hmm. using tools to overcome the environment. So I think that's what Mario Sunshine is really going for for 50% of the game. I think there's still part of this game that really does still want to be a Mario game. And sometimes I think in the moments that are that I'm more critical of, those two parts are at war with itself. Mm. Um, mm. But I do think that the charm of the setting and, and the vibe of the setting is really nice, despite the sometimes nightmarish cutscenes. I do. <laughs> I do love the um, just the like, continuity in the world in this game, I think, is, yeah. is really striking for like GameCube era. You know, whenever you're in one level, when you look out at or you know, across the ocean or whatever, right. or like if you kind of get uh, yourself situated in a nice spot, like on top of a tree or like on a like weird little cliff or on top of a building, you can see the other levels and they like mm -hmm. actually kind of look like where they should be based on if you just took the the Isle Delfino or, or the Delfino Plaza and just kind of like mapped each of those points out to a larger island. Um, mm -hmm. It all looks like spatially relevant and like where it should be. And I think that's a really fascinating thing. This idea that like, uh, you know, you take something like Mario 64, which is you're jumping into paintings and each of those paintings are their own little world, I <sighs> guess, is kind of the idea. Uh, their own little like self-contained worlds. Um, and just like explore that and 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 see how that goes. Um, but at, at the end of the day, like it's really just the castle as your hub, and that like, that's the real place that you are. You know, mm -hmm. none of the other places are real. Those are just in paintings. Isle Delfino being like, no, you're actually jumping through little wormholes that take you to other parts of the island. Um, and, and and that by the time you get like I don't know halfway into this game, you actually do have like a pretty good idea of what the island as a whole looks like in your head mm -hmm. um, is really interesting and it does feel like we're we're taking what we were doing in Mario 64 and just like kind of plussing it up a little bit you know it does it does feel like they are trying to one-up themselves but you know outside of setting I think you know being wonderful 
Um, that's where you get into the stuff that I think people criticize, right? Like uh, the Mario movement system, as as I don't know, as we've seen in pretty much every single game uh, except this one, is like so finely tuned and finely crafted, and like things down to the the uh, you know single, double, and then triple jump, the like backwards jump, the side jump, things like that are mm-hmm. like so ingrained. Like people don't even know that they have names in a lot of instances because they just like it's like riding a bike. Whenever you pick up a new Mario game, you just like know intuitively those moves exist. And a lot of them don't exist in this game. And it's wild to think that they just threw them all out in the second one. You know, they were just like, <laughs> they, they had them all like down pat perfect in the first game and then just kind of get rid of them. And then every once in a while in this game, they get rid of the flood backpack and then suddenly you have everything again. It's like, oh yeah, this is a cool game. This would be interesting. And then that game just turned into Mario Galaxy, essentially. Yep. Which is which is fascinating. So I, I do see where you're coming from, Stephen, where you're saying that the game is kind of like at odds with itself in a lot of instances because because it is really kind of trying to be a sequel to Mario 64 and also be something else simultaneously. And I, I, I haven't played enough Banjo-Kazooie to really like fully sign off on your hot take, but I imagine it's probably <laughs> correct. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I um I agree. I, that That's the biggest thing. You know, I, I really... I like this game. I definitely would say it's... I mean... Here's the deal with Mario. Like, every Mario game is going to be fun. So, like, exactly. this yeah. is the same situation with Skyward Sword, where, like, that's also lower on the list. But, like, if you named Sunshine and Skyward Sword, like, Stinky's Day Off or something, <laughs> like, it would be a cult favorite. You know, like, it would have, <laughs> yes. like, if it wasn't attached to this IP, people would be like, bring this back. Here's yeah. a two million dollar kickstarter to bring back stinky's day off you know like it would yeah i totally agree that is such a good point because <laughs> i think that the the i even kind of gave you like the headspace of like play this like a rare game because if you're if you go from galaxy to this game i think you're going to be extremely frustrated and i have to say i find a lot of this game very frustrating because i want to love it and i do in a lot of moments um and it's kind of funny it, it's ironic because you know the villain is is uh, shadow mario who is revealed to be bowser jr pretty early on um yeah. spoilers sorry <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't know if that's a spoiler at this point it's, it's been so, so long. bizarre he calls peach's mom anyway that aside we'll explore that later <laughs> maybe uh but um you're you know you're walking around with your flood the water backpack you can either use like a jetpack to kind of propel yourself up or you can just spray things. I think the biggest thing that like really gets in the way constantly for me is the fact that like to spray things you have to stop. And like Oh yeah. To yeah. to, to take a Mario game and have you like have to just full stop to do something that's truly not that interesting really <laughs> especially early on like this game begins with mario going to jail and like as a punishment <laughs> they gave him the flood and like both narratively and mechanically flood feels like a punishment the whole time like it, it has some fun moments where like they have puzzles where like if you water things like stairs might grow and that's where it gets into the kind of banjo kazooie like yeah oh what if mm-hmm. i tried this with that and what happens and then there are secret parts of the level where Shadow Mario, Bowser Jr. in disguise with his magic bib, uh, shows up and steals your flood. And the game wants you to feel like, oh, no, my flood. And every time I'm like, thank fucking Christ, throw that thing in a pit. I never want to see that thing again. It talks to me. It tells me shit that doesn't matter. And when I need help, it's silent. Uh, and the, the dream sequences are like are really not only like finely tuned Mario levels, but they're really tough. And oh this game's God. difficulty is like so wild and so like yeah, it's off all the charts the map, in moments. Like there's a level, bizarre. like honestly, there's a level where I almost threw my switch outside. And like I play Celeste a lot. Like I play a lot of very uh, demanding platformers. Oh, you're a gamer. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, I hate that. That is kind of how I was sounding, wasn't it? No. Um, but there's a level where like there's a bird made of sand blocks and oh it's flying in the sky. You have to yeah. deal with real wind Draw kind of always beach. blowing you slightly back. It's flapping its in wings. In real life, wind yeah. shoots out of the <laughs> yeah. Nintendo Switch. It might as well. It might as well just throw wind and sand in my face while I'm playing. Because I don't know how to beat this thing. You still have your stupid flood backpack and you just can't do it. Like I tried everything. Mm-hmm. I know people have done it because they have progressed and finished the game and like it but it's just like that 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 moment is asking you to play the game but not giving you the mechanics to play it because you st- you had the flood and the way it registers what types of jump you're doing are like very finely tuned like one joystick certain angles so you're trying to tiptoe but you end up doing backflips yeah. it's a nightmare and the jetpack might as well not be there because you can't get back on once you've fallen because of the wind right right it's there's a lot of moments like that where i'm like this feels like it wasn't like again mario standard very high it doesn't feel like everything was thought through and i actually do know that this game was rushed so like i think you yeah. can feel that in some moments but it's a i mean this this mario sunshine goes hand in hand with like a lot of weirdly a lot of nes sequels where like they did mario brothers mario 2 was the doki doki reskin like completely different zelda mm. 2 like it doesn't always work this feels like that idea where they're trying something new and this is way more successful than those older games but i almost wish they committed to being either banjo kazooie or mario galaxy and if if, if the flood is going to be such a main component i wish like it had more versatility than just like stop what you're doing and face this <laughs> you know it's just a lot it's just a lot mm-hmm. to ask of the player uh, to enjoy when it's posed as a punishment both narratively and mechanically that's my (laughs) small rant i don't want to be an angry gamer for this segment but that's just had to get it out well hold on so you're wrong (laughs) 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 and i'm gonna hurt emotion no i i I really i really hope you're not no i I don't want to get too worked up i was getting into it for the bit that that was the first thing i've noticed was like the the getting back into the game i was like oh right i love i love being in this house and then walking over and doing the, the like the first unlock of the first level that you get and trying to like sit there and spray this dumb plant in this dumb mouth and going like, yeah. why do I have to like stand still, hold L1 so I can like control the up and down of the of the flood and just like sit here and like just wait felt boring like that like those parts of the games are the the, the weakest. And I agree with you, like playing them back now, I, I am surprised of how much. I, I still love this game, even though those mechanics oh, yeah. feel... I mean, I totally agree. I'm sorry to cut you off, Pablo. There, there's so much to love here, too. It's just like, it's a it's a bummer that the central mechanic is kind uh, of the yeah. divisive one. You know, that's like really what comes in the way. But like you said, I mean, I, I think there's so much like, and it is so unique to itself. You know, I think you can see a direct trend between 64 and Galaxy, like in terms of like them refining certain ideas. And mm-hmm. this feels really like, you know, you, you can see a little bit of like them trying something else but it really is like a, a brand new experiment and it's cool to be part of it's cool to experience this collective history which is like kind of as we do this episode what i'm realizing is like these three games are really cool to experience together as well like if you're interested oh, yeah. in the history totally of mario agree. and of nintendo right like yeah i feel like a lot of people really like 2d mario games and please don't hate me but i've played maybe one one which is the the original nes mario game and like that's the only 2d platforming mario game that i've played and like the the my love, yeah my love for mario comes from all the 3d games like specifically 64 and sunshine totally and eventually uh odyssey like like 
Yeah. Everything I, I like, when I think about Mario, I think about those games, Sunshine 64 specifically. So I find it um, like interesting to have that kind of difference between you and me specifically, Brendan, like, like where I feel like you were talking earlier about all the 2D games. And I'm like, oh, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely like the, the kind of proving ground for me and Mr. Mario uh, in the past. <laughs> like that's, that's definitely uh, where, where I started to gain an affinity uh, for. I, I think uh, just a recommendation hop on the uh, Nintendo Switch Online thing and get um, get Super Mario All-Stars, the original Super Mario All-Stars on the uh, SNES collection. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a really good time. I promise you. Um, but anyway, that that is, that is I, I think, a good point. Yeah, the, playing these three simultaneously is really interesting and seeing how this one kind of stands out is like, at least they're trying something new and interesting, you know? And, and they do that every time. It's not like they're not doing something right. new and interesting, but this is such a deviation from everything else that I think it it's like almost jarring. But it is like as soon as you kind of get your feet under you and you start to figure out the controls and 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 really kind of like start to buy into what they're trying to do, um, it it really clicks and it does become like you were saying, Pablo, just like a, an unstoppable joyous time. You know, it it at times, you know, there there are frustrating <laughs> moments. I would of say course. also, um, I, I I say it feels like being a kid on a playground. Like you have this world and you can literally like you can do the mission. Or you yeah. can just go explore the the weird windmill on the first level, and you're like, "Oh, what, what's up here? Like, why why can I go up here?" Even though the part the point of this thing is to go fix this bridge, right? Like, it, yeah, it, totally. Yeah, the the emphasis on exploration in this game is really is really cool. I, I've been having a really interesting time with it. Um, just kind of like going around and talking to NPCs that are like tucked away in strange places, like just to mm-hmm. see why, you know. And and even if the dialogue is like you know one sentence and it's like not even that interesting, like I'm still glad I did it in a lot of instances. <laughs> and usually they give you a blue coin anyway, so like whatever, which like is a whole other thing. There are a bunch of blue coins you can collect, but they don't tell you how many you can collect or how many there are total, oh God, which yeah. is very funny. <laughs> Uh, but they do make you save your game every time you get one as if you're going to get something at the end. And I did look it up and you don't get anything for collecting all of them anyway. Very silly. Um, I do I do know what you mean, Stephen, when you say that this game was rushed because it definitely does feel like it at, at times. I yeah. mean, there are just some things mechanically that do feel a little bizarre. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think like the stopping and shooting water is like chief among my like biggest question marks about this game. Um, I will say if you're out there and you have this collection and you're playing it and having a hard time with it, it it's it requires a lot of inputs. But what I would recommend doing anytime you have to like stop and aim the flood at something to shoot it with water, I would recommend clicking the right stick in because that brings you into kind of a first person view where you can kind of just move the, uh. the analog stick around. It helps so much. I don't know. I don't know why it helps a lot. Um, but it sure does. Um, it kind of gives you like an almost Gears of War, like over the shoulder yeah. <laughs> Mario. Uh, now you know, you can active gaming. reload. So yeah, so the so the so the water does more damage. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, um, yeah, I would recommend doing that. But it's it's been really interesting. Um, just kind of like just kind of uh, bumping up against that stuff and also loving the setting as much. I mean, the cohesion in the world and in the vibe is like so great. I mean, down to like the the very first guy that you can talk to in the very first level is this dude who's just like sitting there and he has big sunglasses on. He's like, hey, man, you look like you could use some of my sunglasses. Yeah, I don't know. Hang out on the island a little bit more and come (laughs) back later and I'll give them to you. And I don't know when he's going to give them to me or if he ever does, but I do love that this guy was like, I'm going to give you some sunglasses and then kind of decided not to. Like, I love that. I think that that's great. Yeah. You got to chill out more before you get these sunglasses. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I wasn't chill enough. That was the problem. 
I think too, it's worth pointing out, and this is like a silly detail, but I think it does inform the entire identity of the game. This is the one 3D Mario where it's not stars. Like it's, it's mm-hmm. like the one thing yeah. where the thing to collect it shines, and I do like that. It seems like the more you get, because uh, like Delfino Plaza is like in darkness in the beginning or in shadows, and the more you get, the more different areas start to light up. So it has that kind of like I- I'm a sucker for that like repairing a hub world feeling, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, yeah. That's very present, obviously, in Breath of the Wild as a whole. But, like, other games do that as well. And I think that kind of weirdly, like, again, going back to your painting this game as a return home, Pablo, like, you feel that way when you go back into the world map, you know, more than you do. Like, in 64, the castle is very mysterious and very, like, it's still very mysterious. That's, like, my Mm -hmm. favorite thing about that game is that, like, element of discovery. But it never feels safe. I'm always, like, kind of creeped out. (laughs) Um, Yeah, totally. Whereas Delfino is like, oh, I'm back. I can run around. I can even you know talk to peach and old toad and just hang out it's great uh yeah yeah it does feel that way it really does it does feel like relaxing and kind of like there's a deep exhale every time you leave right? um, we, we we talked in the galaxy section a little bit about how you know you go into galaxy and it's this big bombastic holy shit thing there's the orchestrated music and there's star bits falling all over the place and exploding <laughs> and you're fighting a big fucking boss and you jump from one planet to another and you have to like grab onto a star that's floating out in the middle of space and it's wild and it's wild and it's wild and then you leave and then there's like no music and you're just chilling out on this like kind of sad space base in between as you just kind of like take your breath and and think about the stuff that you did and like mentally prepare yourself for what's coming next but it but there's like a melancholy to that there's like a melancholy to hang out on the space base whereas in sunshine it's the same deal like you're going in and there's kind of like an exciting place but like it's still kind of chill but like you're going to do an exciting thing at a chill place and like <laughs> it's going to take you a while to go get to that exciting thing and then once you do and you get there and it's great and you got the star and holy shit I can't believe I did it I pulled it off I beat the fucking sandbird finally somehow um, and then I think kicked out of that level and you're back in the Al Delfino uh, in the Delfino Plaza and you, you just get to sit down and be like wow I did that that was cool and then you're just chilling out in the sun and you run around maybe you pick up a durian and throw it in a basket and like yep. sick it's great <laughs> it's, a, it's a great vibe always it's a great yeah. vibe always that's yeah. what's good about Mario Sunshine I did uh, already have an affinity for the setting though because it's one of my favorite levels in Smash so like I knew this theme yeah, so man. well yes yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's really fun to hear it in the game Oh, the music! All the music in this game is amazing. Like, like is. fantastic. I think about the the, the like Jacob Collier version, uh, like even before Jacob Collier existed, of the like main theme in those secret levels, like the acapella. Yeah, um, yeah, those are so cool. With the reharmonization and like the like different uh, like things that they're doing to the the theme of the song to make it more interesting. Like every time I would go into a secret level, I would just get another rush of like, like I could like feel yeah. the like happiness yeah. just like those are the best me. parts. And I think I oh, think yeah. it, it is like you know because I think uh, a lot of people have pointed out that like the secret levels are just what Galaxy is. Like it's like they took mm-hmm. that idea, mm-hmm. put it in space, and ran with it. But I think there is something special about them being like little discoveries. You know, I think that I think that if you play this game give it up until you go to a secret level for the first time because then you'll know if one of these games is working for you Uh, you know like that's kind of my thing is like you'll enjoy one or the other Mm -hmm. um and and i just wish there was more cohesion but there's so much to like here and 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 i think that the frustration on my end just comes from like i want this to be my favorite because i think like i always love games that take the most risks but 
it's also yeah. important to remember that like this is why you know some risks don't pay off and and to see right. why and to learn why and to see the ones that did i mean i think there's a lot to learn from this game still for mario you know i think uh odyssey i think almost kind of reeled back into a sunshine vibe with the fact that you would go to these worlds and they were open so like like i said earlier pablo you can go and do the mission or you could talk to the skeletons and buy a hat you know like you can do <laughs> kind of anything you want and it had mm. that feeling of being alive but of course the thing is like and i think the, the direct the, the direct contrast is that in odyssey you're like running around parkouring everywhere and in, in sunshine you have to do community service <laughs> so you have to wear the flood backpack but yeah it's, it's wild too because you immediately are exonerated right because it's revealed like not even that far into the game that shadow mario is a thing that exists so like mm -hmm. already it's like oh there's an evil imposter mario yeah okay we can get rid of the flood backpack you're good you don't have to do this anymore uh but not only that but then it's very quickly revealed after that 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 shadow mario is baby bowser or bowser jr so even more reason to exonerate you in this case even more reason to get the flood backpack off you but you are stuck with it yeah and it's mm. hawks i wasn't ready for it to talk i had no idea like it kind of looks Hello, like a bird mario yeah <laughs> mario <laughs> yeah that's, that's it's that's not at the like there are a lot of times in this game that i don't know what to do truly i'm like where do i go i don't know i'll just and that's kind of the beauty of it you discover it but oh, like yeah when he decides to talk as i alluded earlier is bizarre like i was on monkey bars climbing around and he's like mario and he's like you can climb on that. i'm like i'm doing it right now dude. <laughs> um, really bizarre but yeah, i mean the the game opens with like a court scene when they are when they think it's you and like i yeah. love this game's interpretation of how that works because seemingly peach is your lawyer because like <laughs> they're like you uh you crash into delfino and sprayed goopy haunted uh graffiti everywhere G you know clean it up and <laughs> peach goes like i object <laughs> <laughs> and the judge just goes overruled like and like it's like lit like a like a off-broadway Soundheim musical yeah. it's just so bizarre <laughs> there's and it's like 20 minutes i mean it's in yeah. retrospect art but it's so like <laughs> you know again compare the opening to mars 64 where it's like lakita is like hey i'm filming i'm a new camera goodbye and then it's just birds chirping. <laughs> Welcome. I yeah. have a yeah. narrative reason for a mechanic existing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and this game is like they really have to explain why you're doing this. But it's it's so silly. It's very fun. I mean, don't get me wrong, like that stuff makes me crack up. So I'm glad it's there, but it is like haunting. Like it's yeah. so weird. <laughs> It is extremely good. I mean, there's like seeing Nintendo write cutscenes for Mario is like <laughs> like fully voice acted cinematic cutscenes is so wild and so outside of the realm of possibility. I, I think like even with all the things that came later, Galaxy, Galaxy 2, Odyssey, like none of them have actual cinematic cutscenes like this. And and it's just like this weird irreverence that only exists really in Nintendo stuff. Like I, I'm just thinking about this one shine that I got recently. It's it's right before the the sandbird situation um where you have to like realign a bunch of uh, mirrors that are shooting the sun at an egg yeah and there's yeah. like a there's like a big centipede thing like a huge centipede thing wrapped up uh, on top of the egg 
And like you go through the, the trials and tribulations of realigning all these mirrors or enemies on the mirrors. And they're really like not super easy to get off. You know, mm-hmm. these mirrors, you have to like bounce them off. It's like almost little tiny boss battles. There's one, there's two, then there's three. Uh, and you, you do it and you get all three of the things aligned and it shoots the sun at, at this caterpillar thing that's asleep on top of this egg. And you think like, oh, with all that sunshine, it's just going to like wake up and then slither off. But Instead, it just like it just falls apart like yeah. a, like a clay model, just like just just kind of goes like, and then a, and then a, a star or sorry a shine shoots out of it and onto the beach and like that's just it. That's just the conclusion of yeah. that story. Yeah, I mean the boss battles are weirdly intimate in that way, like in like haunting and the demise of the boss. Like there's the weird squid with like a baby, What's like the, a pacifier, a pacifier yeah. you just like oh. pull it out and then like pull its legs off. Which is evil. Yeah. Evil. You're sitting there pulling uh, like a squid's tentacles off just like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like <laughs> yeah. And it's very clear that the squid is just like covered in like evil like magic ink and is just kind of like enraged, you know, it, it doesn't really understand what's happening. It's just like trying to clean itself off and here comes Mario you know, ripping its legs off one by one and pulling its pacifier out. <laughs> like, all you really had to do was just wash the thing off. Yeah, you didn't have to... Use use your flood that was given to you for its intended purpose. <laughs> That's all you had to do. You didn't have to rip my legs off. I just needed to it clean my face. It gives fodder to baby Bowser when he meets you. He's like, my dad told me you're a bad man who cheats. Stay away from my mama. The reason I'm <laughs> deceiving you is because I'm playing... I'm, like, deceiving you at your own game. I'm gonna be a cheater, too. It's like, we, yeah. we didn't need this but i love it that it's here (laughs) yeah i do agree i mean we've talked a lot on this show about the idea that mario is actually the bad guy of this franchise oh yeah it really feels like it in this game more than any other so far it does you just kind of crash land at an island and like you know you're only really cleaning it up like there's no mario for all the writing in this game mario has no agency of his own he's just sort of like saying yes and like proceeding you know yeah it's very bizarre that's really weird. Well, the funny thing is, like, he he he's given full liberty. They're like, yeah, you have to clean up this island. And then they're like, okay, we're just going to go hang out now. Like, go clean up. And then like, Mario could just leave. He could just be like, ah, you know what? Uh, the plane's still there. He could just get back on it. I agree. <laughs> yeah, he's like, it's a me. It's a me out. <laughs> I mean, the fact that he that he does stay is is evidence that he might be more kind hearted than uh, Baby Bowser's narrative suggests. But it's still I mean, it's maybe. just a bizarre story. Maybe. It's really weird. It's There's so something weird. sinister there. I mean, why do you turn into like weird molecules whenever you have to transform? I got. Well, can we talk about that? I've always thinking talking. about it. it. It almost feels like the, the thematic opposite of 64. Where in 64, you're jumping into paintings, and here you're washing away paint on things, and then you can. Oh, jump in. Wow. I was thinking that you're being reconstructed molecularly as you trans. <laughs> it does look like that, yeah. Because Baby Bowser has a weird like antimatter bib that makes him like Terminator to Mario, and that's kind of <laughs> traveling around. He has the red eyes. Yeah, it does. Like, it does. Yeah. There are cutscenes that look like they're right out of Near Automata. Like, truly, like when, oh when <laughs> Shadow Mario first shows up, it kind of has like that kind of Dreamcast fidelity to it as well. Yeah. Like weirdly, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I need you guys to see the like final cutscene of that game. I just beat it earlier today, and it is oh. a trip. It is a trip. 
How many shines are there, if you don't mind me asking? Like, in, uh, a, in, a, in a standard run of Sunshine. Um, so, okay, to, to get to the final, I didn't know this. I don't know how I figured that this out as a kid. I'm so you've got to catch a blue Chocobo. Give it the carob <laughs> nut. Make sure it's wonderful. You can find that out via Chocobo Bill. Breathe that until it's wonderful. <laughs> and then you want to go up and down Gold Nugget Bridge until you... <laughs> <laughs> until you hatch a shiny Togepi. Bring that to Elm. He'll give you uh, Kratos as an unlockable character. Right, and that's how you get Shadow in Melee. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're saying so you have to do what for sunshine you have to get all you have to get to the seventh level of each level mm. before oh, you can I get see. to the final oh the seventh shine of each level yes yeah okay yes thank you i'm sorry um it, it which just feels like a weird counterintuitive way to to unlock the ending of the game i'm not really i don't remember how 64 works or galaxy i don't know how galaxy works at all but i don't remember how 64 works where how do you get to the next level of the of the, uh, yeah. the castle each so in in 64 in a galaxy it's just number of stars and the stars you choose on a level are just different goals mm. One isn't necessarily harder than the other. They're just different. But in Sunshine, it does feel like if you stick in one place, they get harder. And like the mm, last yeah, the one is going to be really ramps hard. Up. Yeah. yeah. You get into Sandbird territory where it's like, this is <laughs> truly a nightmare. Yeah. Have either of you uh, gotten to the, I'm going to ruin this dude's name, Il Piantissimo levels? Uh, is that the hotel? No, it's the it's the guy it's the human man who's dressed up as a delphini. What did we say? Delphini. Delphin Ocean. Delphin Ocean. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so it's this it's this like human, like Mar- I guess Mario sized person who's wearing like like shoes and gloves and a mask to look like the like the people of of this aisle. And he's like, Oh my god! Look at this guy. You, you you run fast. You want to race me? And then they're all. Oh, that, it's the yes, I remember this guy. Yes, oh my god, I hadn't gotten here yet. Uh, I hadn't seen him again yet in this playthrough, but I do remember him. What's his name again? I need to Google it, this. It's like, Il, Il Piantissimo. Oh my he's, god, yes. I, I guess he's like Mario's antithesis. You know, like the the the, the anti Mario. It's Il Piantissimo. I really love the decision to put like more more human looking characters alongside Mario. Like they do that in Odyssey a lot with the uh, new dunks. Yeah. Oh. Always in favor of that. Yeah, he's great. I really like his uh, his vibe. He looks like he's from Ocarina. Like he looks like a Zelda character. He does. Um, he really does. If if he if you look into apparently the game files, he has the same face as the the mailman from Zelda. Oh yeah, the the postman. Yeah, similar yeah. similar jaw structure for sure. Incredible. Amazing. Wow. Thank you for this I gift. This. I, I love that character. He's always just like, you suck at this. Race me. <laughs> flood getting heavy race me come on race me and like the the he has the same move like move set as uh shadow mario so you're always just like why can't i jump like that why can't i do the backwards jump and then do the spinny thing and i'm just suddenly up there oh wait what's, I have to... <laughs> what's holding me down weighing me down that can shoot water and also talks huh it's at the tip of my huh. tongue I, I love the idea that Mario's running around and he's shooting water at such a high pressure that he can fly. 
Like, that's the thing. I almost wish they did more with that. And maybe they do later on. But like, I wanted to see more like abilities and stuff. Is that is that a thing? Are there more like flood powers as you play? Because I've seen yes. some boxes that are not yeah, you yet do, visible You do get me. more uh, flood nozzles. Cool, cool. As time goes on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good so, to know. That changes my mind a little bit. Because like, if it was just shoot and weak jetpack, that may not be enough to justify, <laughs> you know, building the game around it. No, there's yeah. two, two more. One of them is like a, 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 a propeller from a boat, but also shoots water out. Oh, that's so cool. It's, just, it's like a speed upgrade pretty much and just like lets you fly across levels. I love that. And I remember being a kid like on the, the hub world, just holding down the, the R button over the water and just running around <laughs> the ocean, as, just like yeah. in circles, just being like, this rules. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's awesome, the thing. Yeah. It's like, that's the joy this game is providing is like just being a kid and exploring the setting, you know, as mm-hmm. we've said many times before. That's awesome. Yeah, I, d- I do also see a situation in which like if you're younger when this game comes out and like this is the game that you get for the next like eight months, you know, you're gonna you're gonna look past the, the mechanical shortfallings that the thing has. You're not gonna know that it was rushed or anything like that. You know, like people aren't people weren't that tuned in. 2001 mm-hmm. when this game came out you're just gonna say like oh it's the new mario game and I, I get to like explore this island and like the game is really pushing you to do that and i i feel like i could see this being a kind of like formative experience in somebody's totally childhood like it, it just it just feels like a playground in the way that a lot of games kind of we take for granted feel like yeah. playgrounds now you know but in 2001 kind of cool kind of a cool idea yeah Ugh. it's good it's, it's a good game oh, it's really good I, I found out today after I beat it that if you talk to the sunglasses man, he not only gives you a sun, sun, sunglasses to wear, he also gives you a Hawaiian-esque shirt that's covered in uh, the shine sprites. Oh, is a little Tommy Bahama action? Yeah, you see? <laughs> <laughs> hey, welcome to Margaritaville. Here's some sunglasses and a Tommy Bahama shirt and a backpack. Yeah, go, go <laughs> <straight> to water. <laughs> Stay hydrated. Stay hydrated. Stay hydrated, baby. I am actually disappointed I didn't give more characters backpacks in Nintendo games in the GameCube era. I do mm-hmm. like the idea of like Star Fox Adventures, but you have a backpack. Legend of Zelda, the Wind Waker, and you have a backpack. Well, the I lore like to, been fun. to Star Fox Adventures that they actually cut off Fox's back and replace it with a metal back. Mm. Yeah, so there's kind of is <laughs> a pack back. Yeah, exactly. Where he could keep. I feel <laughs> like I like Sunshine a lot more than Star Fox Adventure, but they're both kind of similar in that like they kind of <laughs> dropped the original game a bit. Oh you know, my. like yeah, Star Fox teases you and they're like, "Oh, you're playing Star Fox? Never mind. You're playing a weird version of Zelda and the Land Before Time. Goodbye." You know, but Sunshine <laughs> yeah. at least keeps that identity of, of both games consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like I think, like you said, this this is obviously a formative experience for you, Pablo. And I think for a lot of people, you know, this was their entry to Mario or they just got it when it came out. Like I can see and appreciate the beloved memories. I do think it's still worth playing, like, even though I'm a little bit harder on it. And I would say it's easily like the least polished of the three. Weirdly, it's still worth experiencing because this is doing something unique enough that like it might click for you even over the other two. If like this is what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, I, I'll, I'll just say to like kind of to wrap up my thoughts on, on playing it um, at the moment is is that I went into it expecting like, OK, cool. This is going to be the one that is like built to be played with just like a controller and there's no like extra stuff. They're not inventing anything new, really. They're just like making a Mario game for a very like standard <laughs> standard Nintendo system, maybe the last standard Nintendo system. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Um, and that's what I'm getting out of mm-hmm. it. And it's it's fun and it's good and I'm enjoying playing it at the moment and I will probably continue playing it and, and hopefully 
hopefully finish it. I would like to see the ending cutscene. Oh talking about Pablo. It's, it, it is. A, I mean, the story is so fucking bonkers already <laughs> that I, I'm excited to see yeah. where it ends up. Have, have either of you gotten Yoshi in the game? No. no. I know he was in it. Spoiler That's amazing. Alert. You can just no. I'm glad you told me. I needed something to look forward to, other than Sandbird for the eleventh time. Uh, the best <laughs> mechanic about Yoshi is that they keep the flood idea where you can shoot water, but instead of shooting water, Yoshi's just vomiting, just projectile vomit, <laughs> just everywhere. <laughs> and it's just like it's just Yoshi going like Wah! and just like a spray coming out of his mouth of of whatever Yoshi can eat the fruit around the island, and then like becomes a different colored Yoshi depending on what fruit you eat, and then hit. That sounds amazing. Also, I'm looking at pictures of this. It is horrifying. It's terrible. <laughs> like thinking back about it now, like nightmare. Like who, who was like, yeah, make Yoshi shoot vomit out of his mouth as much, like as as gross as possible. <laughs> this projectile purple vomit all over the island. Hey, clean this up, <laughs> yeah, Mario. <I> <laughs> Oh my god. Well, I did just Google uh, Yoshi Sunshine Vomit, so I guess that's my new <laughs> screen name. New band name, huh? Unbelievable. Yeah. Um. Cool. Should we wrap up this segment? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I want to give the 40 Pablo. Like, what's like, you know, full circle? Like, how are you... I just want to give the floor to you. Like, what do you want to, how do you want to sum up your thoughts about Sunshine, this beloved game of yours? Yeah, here's my pro gamer hot take. <laughs> how Come many shines you? out of 10? <laughs> Playable. <laughs> you really feel like you're playing Mario Sunshine the minute you press start. You can start the save file. You can copy or erase. The minute it begins, Mario, Peach, and Old Toad are on a plane. Oh, wait, what's with Mario's face in the very, very beginning on the plane? It's like hearts for eyes, right? Yeah, he's thinking about his relaxing vacations about to go on. Oh. Yes, he's he's. It's when they show you an ad for Isle Delfino, and he gets obsessed with I think the food yes. that's on the island, yes. and it, and his face turns to uh, hearts for eyes, and his tongue is sticking out. Mm-hmm. But what's great is that it doesn't stop when the plane hits turbulence. <laughs> okay, I um, missed that. I missed the reason. I guess I was like in the kitchen or something. So when I came back, it was just like the three of them on the plane <laughs> and Mario with his tongue hanging out hard surprise. I'm like, is that just how he is these days? He's <laughs> <laughs> permanently lusting for life. Mm-hmm. I love this. The 2000s were a weird time for everyone, Steve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, mm-hmm. can't wait to see Van Wilder again. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to spike my my hair and uh, dye the tips only. Yeah, yeah. Te- temporary tips. blue hair dye. Yeah, mm-hmm. and listen Amazing. to the, uh, I don't know Taking Back Sunday. Uh, help me here. L- limp biscuit. This, this limp. feels like good Charlotte era. This is definitely good Charlotte Mario. I think mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just one of those days. <laughs> this is the most new metal of the Mario entries for sure. Oh no. Yeah, uh, I guess we'll sum up with that. But I, I think this is a good game. I, uh, I I am really happy I finally played it. And I definitely want to experience Yoshi, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. Like, give me those sunglasses. Me give me that strange, uh, sick Yoshi, and I'll be happy. I do want to get the sunglasses. That's kind of my goal at the moment, is to yeah. figure out how to get those sunglasses. I, totally. I never figured it out. I just kept talking to that dude every level. Like, give me the sunglasses now. Give me this now. I need, I need them. <laughs> because he, show, he shows up a lot. He's in a bunch of levels. He's, he's not he's just in, in that first Every level. level. He's, yeah. he's in every level. And if you do get the sunglasses, the game is darker. Like, they just put, like, a darker shade on the game. <laughs> no way. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. I it's, love it's, that. It's full of, like, to, like, 
I guess give my final take on Sunshine. It's full of like those little moments that make the game unique and like special where, where you're just sitting there like, oh, I can talk to this dude. He will give me sunglasses and it will for some reason make the game darker, make it harder to play the game because it's just a shade darker. But like, that's why you love it. You're, you want the sunglasses. You want the Yoshi to shoot vomit. You want to find that one dude on the island who's like, I've been trapped here for three years. Yes. <laughs> and it's just him in a fire. And you're like, dude, how do you live? It's also, him in a fire and a pipe with a bunch of paint in it. And, he, and he's like not that far from shore. Yeah, like, it's dude, like you really close. Swim. Like you just swam there. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, that's, that's beautifully said. It is a game about discovery and about enjoying the little moments over, mm-hmm. like, you know, completing a level even. Yeah. Mario Sunshine. A beautiful vacation. That's Epic. a little weird. <laughs> Epic game. Playable. I love that as, like, the <laughs> ultimate stamp of <laughs> This game works. We tried the disc. <laughs> that's the GameStop version of, of yeah. their review. I got pull out a filing desk and make sure it works oh remember those weird cranky things that you'd put the disc on to like fix the scratches i don't know how to describe it other oh than like yeah a, a oh weird my God. disc doctor yeah. yeah someone told me that putting peanut butter on discs also helps wow. but i never tried it because it seemed like a prank <laughs> i did i i did toothpaste someone told me toothpaste and i was like yeah i'll try toothpaste <laughs> did it work I think so because I had a copy of Sonic Adventure Two Battle that got like oh, ruined man. because it was also the only game I played. Talk about the weird GameCube era. That game is like <laughs> there's oh, no my. more crystallizing peak of like GameCube early 2000s vibe than Sonic yeah, Adventure Two Battle. I didn't mention this, but when I bought that GameCube at GameStop, that was one of the first games I bought <laughs> just because be. I wanted to have it again. Yeah, yeah, just for that uh, dad rock baseline in the first level. <laughs> <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Yeah, boom, it's boom, amazing. Boom. Like. <laughs> I feel like oh, I, wish, yeah. I wish Sunshine started with the same track as <laughs> the plane. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Yeah, as Shadow Mario shows up. Oh, man. Amazing. Um, cool. Pablo, thank you so much for joining us to talk about Super Mario Sunshine, part of the Super Mario 3D All-Stars collection for the Nintendo Switch. Um, where do you want people to find you on the internet, if at all? Yeah, no, you can find me. Um, mostly just Twitter. It's at DangerButts. Cool. I think that's cool. my only yeah. internet thing. Uh, it's been a, it's been so fun to have you on the show. Thank yeah, you so thanks much. Thanks for joining us. Um, it's a lot I'm, of fun. I, I have a feeling you'll end up on a stream of ours at some point. Um, but uh, thank you for for coming on this episode. Maybe when we do our Sonic Adventure Two Battle Bonus episode, eventually uh, you can come back. No, I'm sorry, I will come back. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should just say now, like when you decide to show up, Pablo, then and there, that's when we record that episode. <laughs> and it's just a live concert of the soundtrack. Oh. Yeah, one, one day, Stephen, you and I are just going to be in the middle of recording an episode and Pablo's just going to appear on the stage. <laughs> oh, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what you're talking about. Sound. Yeah, It's Sonic next, time. Next uh, holiday season when we're all in Jersey. Wow. <laughs> we should cover like I know City Escape gets all the attention of that soundtrack, but I love the like <laughs> there's a level called Green Forest and it's Shadow going like, oh yeah, I'm gonna give it to you. It's like so <laughs> it's so not cool, but I love it. Anyway, oh we have to do that. Now it's in stone. Yeah, when we're all in Jersey, we'll we'll all play bass guitar at the same time. The three basses. <laughs> yes. It's gonna be great. That sounds wonderful. Uh, All right. Cool. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> soon, <laughs> we're going to talk about Mario 64. Oh, so excited. See you soon. <laughs>
Welcome back to a very special bonus episode, uh, Mario 3D All-Stars. In this segment, we'll be talking about the longly awaited Mario 64. And joining us is my beloved sister, Lauren. Lauren, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I wanted you on specifically, one, because (laughs) the Hilgers need to be in full force. And two, uh, I really wanted to share like our memory of this game because it's such a pivotal moment growing up that like because you were significantly more sentient than I was when it came out, I would love to hear like how this like really went down when, when it came to our house. That's you know? amazing. And like sure. what, what our experience was playing it growing up. Yes. So I guess I have to introduce myself as an elder since I was <laughs> more sentient in 96. Back in the 20s, you were so sentient. No <laughs> the I'm only so thing sorry. I remember is how sentient you were. Incredible. <laughs> you had object permanence and everything. It was unbelievable. Lauren Hilga at the turn of the century. She's the most sentient mare. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. Um, amazing. Well, yes, I do remember it. I mean, I feel like I remember it in ways that perhaps are different from the way you remember it. Yeah. So I'm happy for us to sort of link those together. <laughs> and figure out um, what happened. Yeah. I mean, ours was the first house that had N64. Yes. I was good. I was thinking of that because we, uh, Brendan and I talked about a little bit about this like suburban scenario in the last segment where like there was always the house that had the GameCube or the 64. And like right. we, like, we were the first and like maybe the last because everyone just kept coming over to play this thing. Right. Yes. There is no need for anyone to get their own. I mean, and yeah. my friends, my friends had other systems, but this was the one that I feel like had a different cultural cachet <laughs> in sixth grade. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and definitely, yeah. you know, I mean, it was like it was wild, like just seeing that shit. Sorry if I can say no, shit. <laughs> you listen to the show. It's fine. We're Introducing good. <laughs> myself uh, with a, with an expletive. Um, this is an explicit podcast. Podcast. Okay, cool. <laughs> Mario 64 was so fucking cool. <laughs> Amazing. You were saying, Lauren? I was just saying, oh, sorry. I was just saying that, you know, ours was the house that had this system first. And I think it's interesting because, like, having my friends over who were seeing it for the first time and, like, making those memories with them is definitely, like, what I remember. And then I remember solitary play and then us playing and then us and our neighbor coming over and playing. But it was just so linked to that era, too. Like, being able to, like, mute the game and play Lauren Hill, you know, and just jam (laughs) to, you know, cool cool mountain and lauren hill was oh definitely God. an era oh you just linked a missing piece for me because i'm like what is missing from this game that i remember and i think it was lauren hill honestly <laughs> it was lauren like, hill was yeah like, because that was this, sort of, i mean it, i forget when that album came out i think 97 or 98 but it was definitely I mean, same year. around yeah, same the year same time more. um being able to like come home from school and play i feel like for me you know we both you and i both grew up playing video games from like, again, the beginning of sentience. Uh, (laughs) You know, I think I perhaps like the difference in our ages, like what were you, six, seven? Yeah, six or seven. Versus middle school, I think um, was definitely, you know, and it's weird because I never won. Like I just left this game. (laughs) In a place where I'm like, it was unending. Like I played a lot, but I never finished it. 
Um, So it's still sort of unfinished in my mind. And just when I think about that time, it definitely, you know, trying to beat something and like learning how to play, I think specifically like, I mean, this is a new system, but I feel like Super Mario, we knew how to play. And I'm also revealing myself by saying Mario. I know it's Mario. I'm not sure how we feel about this. It took me like a good five years of really thinking about it to switch from Mario to Mario. I was a big Mario guy. Why do we say it? I don't know. I think it's a New Jersey thing. I do, too, because I've heard it on Jersey Shore and I was really embarrassed. (laughs) (laughs) Was that that your like awakening? Like, oh, no, I need to change something about myself. (laughs) I've been told many times. I've been corrected many times. But on Jersey Shore, Snooki does say when she meets Gianni, her husband, she calls him a Mario brother. And I was like, <laughs> OK, so maybe. But granted, she's from Poughkeepsie, so I'm not sure. But um, yeah, yeah, the I only do one feel from like Jersey is Sammy. So we need to hear her say Mario to know the truth. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh, so it's definitely it's definitely <laughs> just so linked into my brain. Oh, Mario. It's not even that's not how I would ever say that name. If someone in real life introduced me as and that's his name, Mario, I would know how to say it. Yeah, it is funny because the game opens with him going, it's a me. My. He doesn't and go, we're like, we're not listening me, to this. Mario. <laughs> it's, Ma- it's Mario. It's Mario. Yeah. yeah. Well, if, if you met a if you met a Mario and he was super, it might be Mario. Then is that the is that the situation? Is that the delineation here? I is think that so. In, if they become super in any way, shape or form, then they're Mario. Yes. I think that that's it. It's also just like not accepting new information to me is so Jersey. Like, <laughs> like being able, like, you know, it's Barnes and Noble, but people will still be like, no, it's Barnes and Nobles. It's like, but you know, otherwise. Yeah. That is a weird right. new Jersey. Yes. Everybody does or, uh, say Nobles. It's, it's Spanglish. <laughs> what, did you, what did you say? Spanglish? No. Oh, <laughs> Sandwich. My favorite Adam Sandler movie. No, uh, Sandwich was a thing. I think it was in like our, where our parents grew up. But instead of Sandwich, they would say Sandwich. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. New Jersey's a weird place. Very, very bizarre. <laughs> I'm really glad to have lived there as long as I did, but I mean, already a, good you know, a couple of weeks area. removed. I'm already looking back like big question marks there. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to touch on something you brought up, Lauren, because I, I so agree. This idea of the game never being over, really. Because yeah. I think like, yeah. you know, we, our formative time playing games together was Super Nintendo, which yes. inherently was like a left to right experience. Like mm-hmm. there was a dimensional finish line right and that was what was so exciting to me as an unsentient seven-year-old was uh you know the first time we got mario 64 and like the fact that it just opens and you can go and like it blew it really blew my mind like having that openness and i think playing the game now that weirdly is still the best part of it the fact Mm -hmm. that like it's it's still beholden to the like super mario world structure of like there's a goal and it's you're gonna get it and the level will be over Mm -hmm. but what the game does well and i think what it does so atmospherically is just like existing in this place and and discovering it with friends and with family like honestly something that stood out to me as a kid and something that still stands out to me now as a strange adult is you go into the courtyard of this castle and there are just ghosts everywhere yeah and like it's so weird because like you hear them giggling but the only other sound is like spring birds chirping like it's a nice day out Mm. Yeah. Something about like a nice day 
in a regal courtyard just full of ghosts is like so my shit yeah it's like how you always said lauren that you love the met because it's like very haunted in yes, a way yeah like it has like a haunted met vibe and really? that's the thing like the whole i think the starring element of mario 64 is the castle like the levels are fun and there's some standout ones but like what defines the experience is this hub world that you can just kind of parkour around and like find secrets and totally. yeah it, it's extremely it's an extremely bizarre place. Yeah, my my <laughs> earliest memory of this game in general, I would say is being at a a person's house. I was almost going to say their name, but then we'd have to bleep it out, probably. But anyway, I was at a person's house who had an N64 because I was only playing Comic Zone and Sonic the Hedgehog on my Sega Genesis at the time. <laughs> you should have come over. We were the house. Yeah, I should have, I guess. Um, and then uh, I, I just remember climbing all the trees in that courtyard filled with ghosts and just being like, this is the best. I can't do this in Sonic. I love this. Uh and that's like my whole memory of playing that game when it came out, I think. It wasn't until years later when they put it on the Nintendo DS that I actually played it for real. But yeah, I don't know. This is this is a game that I, I have visited many times over the years, uh, trying to capture that like, what if I played this when it came out? That would have been fun, right? Um, and you never quite get it if you missed that boat. But boy, do I still love it. I mean, I, going back and playing it again, especially amongst the other games in this collection, it's been it's been really fun to just see how much they fucking nailed on their first outing. You know, like the first like real true 3D platformer. The way I was describing it last night to somebody was essentially like, you know, a lot of people made MP3 players and then Apple made the iPod. And it was like, oh, yeah, that's what it should have been the whole time. Shit, you know? That's that's kind of what this game feels like in a lot of ways. Um, it doesn't have the Guinness Book of World Records uh, record for first 3D platforming video game, which I, I learned was a game called Jumping Flash, which is fucking bad. <laughs> uh, I watched some videos of it and it looks awful, but um, it, it nailed pretty much everything. You know, I mean, it's the foundation for every Mario game going forward. Just about. It's awesome. Yeah, it's still awesome. It, it is. I mean, I think, you know, we've we've referenced how like playing it now, like the camera can be a little tricky. It, it was even at the yes. time. Like that was something that I remember being frustrated about even as a kid. But it was yeah. also but you put like, up with it because it was the first time you'd ever seen it. Yeah, it was the first time that like rotating perspective was a thing. Like it was a dimensional addition. Like yes. that, that's, right. that hasn't really happened since. Like, you know, it, it was really mind blowing. And I think that the legacy this game has is like, I, I think if you play the more modern Mario and even we Weirdly, the older Mario games, there's a precision in platforming design. Like, you know, Lauren, we had the Duck Hunt Mario right. Brothers duo pack. And, and that game is so much about, like, just learning how to play it and beating it. You know, going back to that, like, this is a sort of singular experience. And then the later Super Nintendo Mario's, like, kind of honed that and perfected that and added to that. And this is just, like, a total, like, reinvention of the wheel. Mm -hmm. um, but the legacy, I think, is less in the platforming because in, in the moments where Mario 64 is trying to be, like, Super Mario World, mm -hmm. it's a little bit frustrating because Mario is so loose and so, like, ready to do backflips that, like, to demand that he act like his 16-bit counterpart and just jump is like so against his nature like he wants to jump off walls and that's something that is also fun is like you can do the laid out path before you you know jump on the square platforms over the lava or maybe you can jump in the lava which makes him go like wahoo and then you could use that momentum to get to the same goal so it had a yeah. little bit of openness even in the problem solving as well but all that to say I think the legacy is the mystery and the discovery and I think I've mentioned Banjo-Kazooie a lot in this episode 
But that to me, Benji Kazooie is like, felt like Rare was inspired by the weirdness and mm-hmm. the element of discovery in uh, Peach's Castle and made a whole game about that, you know, and like a weird Wizard of Oz land where it was even less about platforming and more just about like, what weird powers can you get? Who are you going to meet? And what are you going to see? You know, like there's a moment uh, going back to the ghost courtyard. I honestly think my favorite level in 64 is the weird ghost level, uh, Big Boo's Haunt. Because <laughs> every other level is in a painting or like in a wall. And it's like, I remember Lauren, you and I even like when we discovered how to even get into a level was a big deal. We're like, mm-hmm. oh my God, you jump into a painting? Like what? Because like that's all you're really given is like you're when when that game came out, they, they probably imagined that a lot of players would just be running around the the courtyard and then when you finally go in you're like okay but where's like the game like this is just birds chirping and me running around and you finally find that painting and and it's the only thing left to try um but boo you go into this courtyard full of ghosts on a nice spring day and one of the ghosts when you face it has a strange like caged carousel like it's a really bizarre like eldritch token you're like what is that so if you punch the ghost you go into that like you turn small and you're in this place it's it's actually scary like all the ghost levels in mario world are like ooh, you know it's like not scary at all yeah this one is like who lives down the street and like puts up you know the the halloween decorations that make the entire town go like wow check that house out we gotta go look at that one that's what all the ghost houses are in like super mario world but big boo's haunt has like atonal like piano with like dissonance and uh every time you know your dad's name and constantly yells the at you yes yeah, <laughs> there's a room with a piano that starts eat, like it has teeth and that to me is yes. like banjo kazooie really just like did that constantly uh, so it's <laughs> it's really cool to see um, just imagine like a whiteboard of like index cards it's like okay what do we like about 64 piano with teeth number one <laughs> yes Build the whole thing around it. Okay, you're a bear with a bird in a backpack. <laughs> There's a witch. I don't know. We're good. <laughs> you were you were nodding when I was talking about the ghost looks. Remember that's something yeah. that you and I loved is like discovering those secrets. Yeah, the weirdness. I think you're right. I think the legacy is the mystery. I mean, I like when I was playing it. The first times I played. I feel like I remember thinking this is unbearably beautiful. You know, this is endless. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of my memory of it. Like when I, I, I actually haven't played since yeah. it's come out, but I've like watched it online and I feel like yeah. while it's like limited visually, there's definitely that feel still like they definitely managed to create that aura of weirdness that I think is so appealing to kids and to anyone yeah. and to like just take that risk to be super weird. Like actually Banjo-Kazooie, the first time I ever stayed up all night at an all girls sleepover was playing Banjo-Kazooie. <laughs> <laughs> And it was just so weird because we were like, oh, my God, like the sun is here. The sun has risen. We didn't go to sleep. And like we've been playing this game all night. (laughs) That's awesome. I mean, that happens so infrequently, too. There's so few games, I think. But like I could point to every single game that made me do that as like a formative experience growing up. It's the best feeling in the world, especially when it's at a sleepover. That's the best. Yeah. Yeah. That was me with Super Smash Brothers, the first one. Yeah. I just feel like there's like some part of you that's like still stuck in like whatever, you know, round that was. Hazy Maze Cave, you know, like there's some part of you that's still there. Especially yeah, since I never one. finished. Yeah, that's another one because that, I mean, you and I have very similar Mario tastes because like that level is also just so strange. So like, strange. You're, you're in this like kind of industrial area that has maps and signs that are seemingly for workers, none of whom are there. Right. And you go into like, they're like, 
Okay, left is the work elevator, right is the is the poisonous maze. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then you eventually find this like water area where this is like really beautiful like plesiosaurus kind of like peacefully swimming around and like i think that that the moments like that just mean still means so much to me um because you don't you see that still in modern mario but they're almost so polished that it like it, it takes away a little bit of that magic and and i'm not saying that it should go back to like being a little clunkier but i think like there is such a loose sense of direction. Like the only direction that game is really giving you is the name of what the star is. Right. Yes. It's like a subtle hint, like, you know, in, in a uh, big booze haunt, uh, it's like, let's go ghost hunting or something. So it's like, okay, that level is also especially like esoteric because it's just like a fun, it's a haunted house with rooms that will lead into other ones. And there's the piano with teeth books flying at you. So weird. Ghosts don't die. It's so strange. Uh, but then you're like, okay, well, all right, there's no visible star here, but the name of the star is Ghost Hunt. What if I defeated every ghost, you know? Uh, and that's, I didn't even remember that's how you do it, but that's what I did playing it again. And that's like how it works. I think there's a lot of magic in that, like very loose. Just figuring uh, it out. Yeah, yeah, just figuring it out. Because yeah, even, even by the time they get the sunshine, every time you jump into a level and, and they tell you what the shine you're trying to collect is, there's like a little camera flyover that shows you like exactly where it is. It's almost like when you're playing Tony Hawk and they're like, okay, here's, you know, here's where the secret tape is. You can kind of see where the secret tape is, but you don't know exactly how to get there yet. Like that's yeah. what they were going for in Sunshine. None of that in 64, which no. I, I have had a really <laughs> fun time revisiting it. I've been kind of playing it ambiently in the background while playing the other two games that we were talking about for this episode. Um, just to kind of see like, okay, here's 64 and here's Galaxy, here's 64 and here's Sunshine. And that that to me was the big delineation between those two in terms of like how much how much uh, leeway they're giving the player. Because Sunshine still has a lot of instances where you get to just run around like a cool place and like hang out and just kind of like find things for yourself. But they're really, they'll they'll change the whole level to kind of just like suit whatever shine you're going for in that one moment and 64 is like way more open you know sometimes there'll be a boss on top of a mountain or something but generally it's like you could get most of the stars on your first run you know you could get kind of anyone you want which i I think is is great and especially if you're if you're a kid when that game comes out and you get to just like run around and explore i mean that's what kids love to do anyway you know outside or inside or in, in a video game so building a game around that concept is brilliant and and it's it's no wonder to me playing it now that like it's the thing that's deeply you know branded on our fucking cortexes at this point um (laughs) yeah it's incredible the dawn of sentience yeah i mean i think like the first star in the first level is you have to defeat the babam king which Mm -hmm. i remember you and i learned like it took a while for us to figure out how like it's not really intuitive that you have to like we kept throwing him off the mountain and then he yells at you and he jumps up and he's like i'm a king you can't do that but you just like throw him on the grass on the ground my back i never thought to do that um but you know the other bosses are a bit more intuitive like there's the big brick who's like i'm sick of being made into floors and castles and he's like a giant band-aid on his back so okay i know his back is bothering him i didn't think this round bomb king is that every boss now that i'm thinking about it except for bowser which you have to throw into the bombs you throw his back into a bomb that's true yeah you're just giving everyone like lumber collision yeah uh but i remember i think the first star we did was like you know when you're in that level which honestly the first level of this game is easily one of my favorites too like yes it's because it's like in your point of view there's so many places to go and so many like you can talk to the friendly bombs for like you want to go into a ganon uh yeah and there's the chain (laughs) chomp which i think was the first star we got because like it's clearly 
it's tied to a log and you can see like something behind a fence like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna free that thing you know <laughs> like that was the first thing i thought to do and, yeah. that, and it rewards that so i think it's like rewarding that curiosity is also a big plus of this game sometimes it could be a little bit like 1997 like how would i think that unless i'm only trying every possibility right but a lot of them are like very fun and very uh just like thinking outside the box you know i think that galaxy of the three games is definitely the most polished but it's it's very much like you know uh it's like a rubik's cube where it's yeah, like go from here's point the to point exact B. way yeah. to do it this is a little bit more right-brained in its like approach to problem solving yeah which i think you know we, we keep bringing up mario odyssey and, and just how wonderful that game is i think and 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 playing this collection is kind of giving us a new appreciation for that game and that really is like a perfect blending of what they it is, nailed in yeah. 64 and what everybody loved about galaxy because um, it has great. like you know it has the weirdness of 64 where you're like in a big open environment you can buy weird you can run around in your underwear you know it's great like yeah <laughs> <laughs> which is like i love how they priced the boxer brief at a thousand coins like we know you want this one it's the most expensive uh, thing in the game yeah but yeah I, I think you're right that like that is a really good blend of like this old this like creative approach versus the like polish of precision later on yeah i so i played this game uh in its entirety on the nintendo ds when it first came out which which came with a weird thing i don't know if you remember the the ds when it came out it had like a it had like a wrist strap attached to it and then there was a little tiny like plastic thing that you're supposed to put on your thumb and use as a stylus and that's how you controlled the camera Whoa, in the ds I version yeah um it was really weird. It was really bizarre, but I loved it. I used it constantly. I mean, I thought it was incredible, you know, at the time when it came out. I don't even know how old I was. But um, in that version of the game, you uh, started as Yoshi. You weren't even Mario. It was it was Yoshi showing up to the castle and like you needed to unlock Yoshi and then uh, sorry, you needed to unlock uh, Mario and then Luigi and then Wario was like a secret character that you could unlock. And yes. they like changed the story slightly when you <laughs> when you played the DS version. I don't know why they chose to do that. It was a really bizarre choice. There were a bunch of like mini games hidden all over the place that used the touchscreen in weird ways. Um, but I was I was kind of interested to go back and, and play the like original original uh, version of this game and just like I don't know see see what the changes were because I have that DS version so like deeply ingrained in my head it was very very interesting to just see how like cut and dry basic it was from a narrative standpoint you know it's like it's really just as simple as possible it's just like Bowser's here we got to get Bowser out of here like very classic you know but yeah. then every character you meet is bonkers every character is super <laughs> weird i mean even down to toad is just hanging out in the castle yeah toad doesn't even make the like classic toad noise which i'm not even going to try and replicate but like is a noise um, i can but i won't for the sake <laughs> safety of you both <laughs> i just like our hair gets blown back yeah. um, <laughs> it's like you age 80 years <laughs> it's the ark of the covenant um anyway like toad is just sitting there with this big smile like huge almost like menacing smile on his face and he's just like kind of jumping down with his arms up over and over again and then you talk to him and he has 10 pages of dialogue yeah. he just won't stop talking to you and like that was my that was my first like blush in revisiting this game was like okay you start the game mario jumps out of a pipe that appears from nowhere and then it disappears back into the ground there's uh lakitu who has the camera who like explains what a camera in a 3d video game is to you uh and then you walk in Bowser laughs at you uh, and then Toad is just there and won't shut up. And I was like, this game is on a completely different level. And I think it has something to do with the fact that I was simultaneously rewatching a bunch of Nickelodeon cartoons for uh, another mm. podcast I was a guest on. But I was watching a lot of Hey Arnold and thinking about how Hey Arnold was like so different 
from every other Nickelodeon cartoon at the time because that was very like slice of life and it was just very much like kids being kids and not so much like slapstick wild humor. It's not two beavers trying to stay up all night and, you know, like whacking each other with a log that's alive. Like um, that is very much like the era and, and, and Mario 64 weirdly captures that like more kind of esoteric wild era of, of cartoons at the time. Um, which, which again, I think is just another reason why like it it had so many disparate elements that all came together and made like this perfect cohesion of a thing that like, it's no wonder it inspired every other video game that came after it from that point on. Like it really is a watershed moment and, and even revisiting it, you can, you can kind of feel it even in the moments that are like clunky and bizarre, you know? Um, yeah, it's amazing. Even even just as like, this is a bad thing and should be improved, but it's a cool idea. You know, like Toad giving you 10 pages of dialogue is a bad way to do a tutorial. But it is cool that there is like a character in the world that you can talk to who tells you how to play the video game. Like that's nice by itself. And then people have made that better since. Yeah, Ugh, it's cool. There are the stairs that go up infinitely until <sighs> you have like a certain. Yeah, I remember like I think you and I tried to be like, there has to be an end to this. Yes, <laughs> we, yes yeah. I do remember that. You I need mean, the rubber also- band? Put a rubber band on, put a rubber band on the joystick so it just goes up and then you just leave it on. Yeah, we were just doing it manually. (laughs) Great. (laughs) It was, it was an uneventful summer, I guess. Totally. Um, But it's funny you mentioned the rubber bands because another fun fact about the N64 in our house is that our, our dog Lila, our beagle, used to chew, if we left the controllers out, she would, when she was a puppy and was like, teething i guess she would chew the top of the joysticks and one of them she actually managed to like bite the top off so one of the controllers was just like a thorn basically no one wanted oh it. <laughs> yeah and then like you had to play- pay a blood price to play mario yeah uh, well, i mean and mario party was especially bad because every game in that every mini game in that game is like rotate the joystick as fast <laughs> as you can so, like, you would get like stigmata just trying to like fish um <laughs> So, yeah, it was very, um, very wild experience. It's interesting that a game so singular was such a multiplayer experience. And that's something that I think you mentioned earlier, Lauren, like this system. I mean, I think it's evident just by the fact that it had four controller slots, you know, like they really wanted it to be this collective experience and more social. That's also something that Nintendo's always done well. And I mean, GameCube followed that with the four controllers and the Wii followed that by being like a very kind of party friendly console as well yeah um weirdly the switch is kind of a return to like no it's just me it's my switch i want to play hades you like that's what's going on now but yeah. i think like I think there's a lot of beauty in experiencing a kind of single player game with other people you know that's why i wanted you on lauren because i think we have such a like such a cool memory of like discovery in this game and, and seeing what happens by dislike a few minds being like, oh, maybe try going over there. And then this game does take a few minds to really work. It, like, I think if you're on your own, you might feel a little overwhelmed. But if you have a few people thinking about it, like maybe just jump into that painting, dude. Try it out. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Were there any other games that, that you two played in that era, in the in the 64 era that, that stand oh. out like on this level? Party. Yeah. <laughs> Party, dude. Mario Party? Yeah, Mario Party 1 was a big one, which is like, that's another one that I think gets kind of written off. But again, it was the first of its kind. And I think it was like them taking advantage of the 64's multiplayer aspect, you know? Yeah. Um, there was also weirdly a single player mode, which like, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't really exist anymore, but it was like, you know, Bowser's ruining our party. Like, I mean, we have to get him out of here. Yeah. Um, party was big. Mario Kart, of course. Of course. Rainbow Road. 
Road. Rainbow Road. Yeah, I mean, all the all the Mario games were big. I think I uh, <clears throat> another another game. I mean, I got more into Zelda, but I think that was like when we were kind of drifting apart a little bit. Um, In I don't terms know, of our we- gaming, not like. <laughs> <laughs> no, we were always. I didn't close. talk to him for seven years. We lived a room apart. Shut the fuck up about Kokiri Forest. I, just I wouldn't talk blame to you if we drifted apart socially. I mean, when I started playing, anytime Ocarina. I talked to Stephen about Zelda, there were ten pages of dialogue. <laughs> and he had this weird, menacing grin. I mean, we also. I mean, what about Pilot Wings? Like, we definitely. Oh my god. <laughs> Yes, Pilot Wings. That feels like a game only we had. I know. Truly, agreed. Like, because it was uh, like we had a lot of we had a lot of like very. I, we also rented a lot, so there's a lot of like mysterious games in yes. that era for me. Yeah, like, same here. Um, I did the same. Yeah. Do you remember that game we rented, Lauren, called Mischief Makers, where it's like kind of like a Sailor Moon girl, and she goes yes. shake, shake when she grabs enemies. Yes, I do. Shake, shake. Uh, stuff like that is just sort of like floating around my brain. But yeah, uh, Pilot Wings was when when we got the 64, it came with Mario and Pilot Wings. Mm-hmm. Um, and Pilot Wings was also like, you can tell that was like one of the first 3D games. Like you can fly anywhere. But it was kind of fun. Like it was really like talk about not beating it. It was just like flying around an island, you know, and it was so peaceful and the music was so nice. But then when you crashed, it was like guttural screams. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was it yeah, it was great. Um, Mario Party was a big one. Mario Kart, obviously. And then Mario Kart was also a game that like our, our like family also liked playing. Like it was, you know, mm. 64 was just us kind of like figuring out this puzzle. But yeah, a lot of games in the Hilger household. You should have come over. I don't know why we, we missed each other in life, Brendan. This could yeah. have been our collective experience. I had some cousins who had an N64 at their beach house. And whenever I went to their beach house, we would just like hang out inside and play N64 all day, essentially, instead of going to the beach because I didn't have an N64 and that's all I wanted to do. And we got really into the Mario Party games. Uh, but the one that I actually like sat down and played all of, like the only N64 game that I played like at the time when it came out, loved it, loved it, was um, Kirby 64. Oh. And the crystal yes. shards yeah it's a good one which i i had a game boy and was playing what was it kirby's dreamland 2 it was the one where you could like ride a hamster around um yeah and and already had this like affinity for kirby for some reason more than like any other uh video game character uh so the idea that i could go to my cousin's beach house and play kirby in full 3d and i could take powers and blend them together i could yeah. have a sword and it, it's on fire i was like yes this is great yeah um and and loved that game played it like all the way to completion it was, it was amazing um but yeah mario party was definitely a big one at that time two and three specifically we we would just like swap between and what was the uh donkey kong 64 is that what it was called <laughs> mm, yeah yeah that, yeah, that was yeah. that was a big deal uh, at least yeah, for yeah. me i just why are you going yeah, yeah, yeah. i just i mean it's i don't know I, like all i remember are like the female figures of these games except for kirby who's you know like above, above without all. gender yeah. above gender <laughs> right. but like dixie kong was the the one with the ponytail right like the prehensile ponytail that could like hawk things yeah okay, yeah. yeah she's yeah she's she's in my mind <laughs> she's with me yeah there's a lot going on there but anyway <laughs> um uh, yeah, I mean, I was thinking too when you brought up Kirby, like Kirby Superstar was another big game for us, like back in Super Nintendo. Yes. Because that was like when you, you know, 64 was all about combining powers, but in Superstar, when you got a power, you could hit A and then that would make a character mm-hmm. for the second player to play as. It was so oh, much yeah. fun. That was incredible. Yeah. What, a, what a cool way of doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that era. 
was very interesting. It, it's kind of like one of the big bummers, I think, whenever people talk about the fact that like Nintendo isn't releasing this stuff on the Switch. Like the the fact that I can't go on the Switch store and just like buy up all the stuff that they release on N sixty four. I understand why that's why that's a bummer to a lot of people because like the affinity that we all have for this stuff and and, and even the way we're talking about it right now, like it'd be so nice to go revisit that. And also, Nintendo has the ability to do that at any moment, literally, and make millions of dollars <laughs> off of just stuff they released in the nineties. I also know of younger people too that like didn't grow up with this that still have an affinity for it. Like there's still an yeah. appeal to this era the same way like there's an appeal to like the, you know by the time we were growing up like NES we called it old Nintendo. It was right, like, you know, right. <laughs> it, it was so, you know, we were in 3D now. Like, how could we ever go back to this, you know, yeah. archaic era? But there's a lot of appeal to that as well. I mean, we see that aesthetic like ape so consistently, you know, both for NES and SNES specifically. I think it's this kind of just leads into a conversation of like game preservation, because I think that we open this episode with kind of acknowledging a lot of people's complaints of like, oh, like they could have done more to like refine these games a bit. But I, I think there's still a ton of value in just experiencing them as is. Yes. Specifically Mario 64, like really feeling how it felt to play it when that came out, like warts and all. Like, cause I think for as much as it might feel archaic in some moments, it still feels just as weird and just as magical when it came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I really do wish that, that there was a, a better and easier way uh, and more legal way, I guess, to play all of that <laughs> stuff these days. But like, it's so it's so difficult, you know, because the the only way you could really do it is like go find a weird or maybe not weird uh, like video game store, buy an old N sixty four, and then like hunt around on eBay for physical cartridges that they don't make anymore that are marked up to be eight hundred dollars. You know, um, <laughs> that that shouldn't be how we experience the things that we love yeah, as a kid. Yeah. I do. I mean, I'm fortunate that R64 still works, so I have it in my apartment and I have most of all the games we had. So, like, I'm glad. But even still, like, that is like a 20 minute setup of like finding the right inputs Cables and like, you and know, stuff, yeah. connecting it to like a vinyl record machine and calling <laughs> the government to allow it to work. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it should be it should be backed up the same way, you know, any other medium is. Um, right. Yeah. I, th- I think for a while the marketing behind games was more toy esque. So it was like, who needs the old thing? Here's the new box. It's better. And totally. now we, we're seeing the value in like the whole history of it. So yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that they they do better in that regard. Yeah, big big Disney Vault vibes in a very <laughs> negative way. Um, do we have anything else on it on uh, N64 or Mario 64 in particular? Yeah, Lauren, I'd love to hear any any kind of final thoughts you have on this game. And like, even though you haven't replayed it, like just kind of thinking back to that era or that game in particular. Yeah, I guess I would love to. Um, it would be remiss for me to leave this podcast segment without mentioning the weirdness of Peach. Um, <laughs> Princess Toadstool. Yeah. yeah. Like, what? what is her name? Why does she have... I feel like yeah. they tried to have us pretend her name was Peach and it was never Princess Toadstool. That was like her old name. Now right. I was thinking that because, you know, it's gotten lost in translation over the games. I just kind of like game of telephone with her name. Uh, and the game opens with the letter and it's signed, like you said, signed Princess Toadstool. And then she says Peach, like kind of cheeky. And I'm like... Is that what she, like her friends call her? You know, like if yeah. you know the princess, she's like, no, 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 don't call me Princess Toadstool. Like, that's that's too. <laughs> that's a little know, bit too, too much. Too formal. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. I don't know why this came up, but I remember reading an interview with Marilyn Manson, and he's like, my friends call me M because they're like, do we call you Marilyn or Manson? And he's like, just call me M. And I'm like, that's what Peach is doing. That's it's what like she's doing. 
Yeah, just sort of like if you're in the loop, you know, it's like uh, in Fire Emblem Edelgard's like my really close friends call me L. Like it's like I think that's a very royal thing to do. But now everyone calls her Peach. Like they robbed her of her kind of regal privacy. <laughs> but what's I mean, she is like the least interesting, like least active character, but also like the beginning and the end of that game. Right. Yeah. I mean, she's baked. She has promised to bake a cake or she has like threatened or she never <laughs> did. <laughs> The more, the more I games that open, yeah, yeah. The, the the more Mario games that open with her saying that she's baked a cake for Mario, the more it does feel like a threat. I totally agree. I think we were all a little naive in the first game in in Mario sixty four. You know, it's like, oh, cool, we get a cake, that's great. But by the time Galaxy hits, it's like, oh, I'm going to visit Peach's castle to pick up a cake. Fucking been there before. And then of course Bowser bombs the place with his airships, and then uh, you get abducted by aliens and thrust into the stars. It's just so bizarre. We've talked about this a lot, like the relationship with Mario and Bowser, because like in the more recent games, Bowser seems almost tired of doing this. Like, mm-hmm. he, like you know, like he's he's still being a creep, but like in Odyssey, he's like, you don't know how stressful it is planning a wedding. Like I'm doing the best I can, and you're ruining everything. Uh, and then that game ends with Peach, like. Bowser and Mario are both like proposing to her on the moon and she's like ew what like that's what you thought was gonna happen and leaves and Mario and Bowser are just together on the moon like briefly united in this loss but like also realizing they're kind of the same person I feel like Peach is just kind of I don't want to vilify her at all if anything she's the hero but I feel like she is just so bored that this is all kind of a game to her she's like I can make Mario do whatever and I can get Bowser to kidnap me and just see what happens yeah she seems so uninterested in the fact that she's been kidnapped every time at this point even even honestly playing Sunshine when she gets kidnapped by dark shadow Mario uh, (laughs) she's just like no not a single word from her about the fact that she's been kidnapped there's no like please help me Mario or whatever and then in galaxy when she gets kidnapped she's giving you gifts from jail she's like sending you letters (laughs) every once in a while a toad will show up and be like oh princess peach sent you some mail and then it's like here's a bunch of one-up mushrooms have fun out there it's great yeah it really is like the the going back to like mario mario and just the identity of the mario kingdom characters is so bizarre like it really is like because they they don't try to give it a narrative like this is us like really picking at straws in 64 but in in sunshine there's weirdly too much like i don't know if you're familiar with that game lauren but it opens with mario like having to do community service otherwise he goes to jail and there's like a 20 minute opening it's so weird and like yeah it's just really fascinating i'm glad you brought up peach do you have anything more to explore with her because i really am interested in this I don't know, but something that just came to mind, and I'm sure this has been discussed many times, but like their names, like why are there both of the brothers' names just one of the brothers? Yeah. What do you mean? Like the Mario brothers. Why? Oh, yeah. That's just one yeah. of them. Their, their, <laughs> their last names are apparently canonically Mario. Okay. So Mario's name is Mario Mario, okay. and Luigi's name is <laughs> Luigi Mario. Okay. That's canon. Okay. That I didn't know. Do we know Wario's last name? I love if it was like Mario Newman. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know why that's canon. I don't know why they decided to say out loud in an interview one day that that's what it should be. That was it. Right. Yeah. That seems like the kind of thing that should just kind of be, you know, left out in in, in, uh, space somewhere floating around and maybe we shouldn't have heard with our, our mortal ears or something. But right. Uh yeah, the the Mario Brothers. It's like it's like the uh the Animaniacs are are technically the Warner Brothers, you know. Right. I thought Wait, it was really? just like one name. 
became like where are the Steven brothers. Yeah, that is really disturbing. Yeah. Oh it's, my god. It's freaky. The Steven Brothers. That's the new name of this podcast, I think. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine by me, honestly. Just, Hi, just I'm as hard to Google, Steven, I think. And I'm Steven Steven. <laughs> 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 oh my god. That's amazing. Yeah. Cool. I guess uh, I guess we'll wrap up unless any wow. of you have any final thoughts on 64 and just this era. But this has been so fun to explore with you, Lauren. I appreciate you joining us. Yeah, thank you oh, so much for honor. coming. It's an honor. Thank you so much. Uh, where can people find you? And uh, what are you, what's going on these days? What is going on these days? Um, well, I'm finishing my second book. It has no title. So if anyone wants to give me a title <laughs> without knowing anything about it, I'd appreciate it. Um, Amazing. The Stephen Brothers. Yes, the Stephen Brothers. <laughs> Thank you. And that's oh, that. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Problem solved. I know you have a book out already called Lady Be Good, which is incredible. Highly recommend Thank to you. our audience to get it. So much. Um, cool. And where can people find you like online and on Twitter or anything? I'm on every platform. Um, actually, that's not true. I'm not on TikTok, but I am everywhere <laughs> else. And my website's just my name. Gotcha. Cool. Awesome. Okay. Well, we will wrap up this segment, but uh, Lauren, thanks again for joining us. Thank and, you. And uh, dear listener, we will come back shortly with just sort of a wrap up of the whole episode. But thank you for joining us on this journey into Mario Mario. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Dear listener, that sums up all three entries in the 3D Super Mario All-Stars. Uh, this has been really fun to record. I mean, I'm, I'm really thankful for all our guests who joined us. And uh, this is another one that we've recorded like over the course of the month. So I thought it'd be cool for us to take an opportunity to like now that we've played and talked about all three games, kind of like revisit our thoughts on these three entries yeah. in the series and like just, you know, wrap it all up. Yeah. So what did what did you think going in? What would you think your ranking was going to be? I wasn't sure. I mean, I was most excited about 64, you know, revisiting that. Mm -hmm. And I was most curious about Sunshine. I was surprised at how much I liked Galaxy because I assumed that was going to be the one I cared least about. And yeah. that has if you're going to say, like, which is the best game, like what's the most fun to play? It's Galaxy. Yeah. Like of the three, I think there's no contest. That being said, I think 64 is still such a unique experience that it is absolutely worth playing if you haven't and if you have you're gonna enjoy going back yeah um sunshine is still the odd one out for me but i am glad i checked it out i just I, if i had to rank i would say galaxy 64 sunshine yeah i, w I went in fully expecting sunshine to be my favorite i think um and then thought probably 64 and then galaxy and i i'm just like kind of blown away by galaxy you know i when i played it originally on the wii i didn't really have the like brain space devoted to like thinking about video games i just played them because i like them you know um so galaxy has never had this like kind of magnum opus vibe in my head i think the way that it did for a lot of other people but man playing that game now like it is head and shoulders above the rest it's so it's so good it's so well put together and like honestly of these three games you know now that we're done recording this episode i could technically like not play the 3d mario collection anymore you know we, we could we could move on to play other games which we will i mean we will play other games and, and we're already playing other games for full disclosure i just want to say like the peak behind the curtain is like we just want to play hades all the time that's true and this came out like right at, i mean i i will definitely go back to this a lot like i'm, I'm yeah. really glad i have access to these three games like we talked with lauren about game press 
observation and like experiencing these old things. But anyway, you were saying, I just wanted to like clarify yeah. why it's been a little bit of a struggle at it, moments. Totally. Yeah. No, the point being, I, I just think like I could put this collection behind me if I wanted to, you know, as is kind of natural for making a show like this. We're just like constantly playing new things all the time. Um, I will probably finish Mario Galaxy, I think. Like that is the one that I'm now like, I've got to I got to get through this because I didn't, you know, back when it came out, um, I never finished it, which is actually a thing I wanted to touch on when we were talking to Lauren about 64 and this idea of never finishing games back then, you know, either because they were too hard or just like you would get another thing and just kind of move on ambiently, you know, they're like just tons of games that i never finished back in the day galaxy is one of them and i kind of actually want to see it through now um and i probably will because it's such a joy to play it's it's absolutely ridiculous yeah, yeah. it's paced that well too like you can find a, a spot in your schedule for it. it's like okay i'm gonna do these three stars or whatever yeah you know like and and that leads to like, okay, like it's a much more catered experience than 64, which is so loose and open. And there's ma- there's a magicalness to that. Yeah. Um, I'll play both games. I think 64 weirdly peaks in the middle for me, like unlocking the basement and mm. like that first collection of rooms and the basement is great. The upstairs is like weirdly anticlimactic. There's like some fun stuff. Like there's the the painting where you're either really big or really small. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. And then the clock is a classic level, but the clock is also something where like that was designed with a very Super Mario World idea of platforming. Whereas the levels like Boo's Big Haunt or Big Boo's Haunt or uh, the first level, the Babam Fortress, are so open and so you can just kind of run around. Yeah. I think the game actually comes to a halt when you have to methodically stop and jump. Right. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm totally I'm totally with you. Yeah. Uh, although something about the, the just like general vibe of that upstairs area is really like really stands out to me is like once you get up there, it's kind of just exciting to be there, even even yeah. if the levels therein aren't like super thrilling. Like just being up there is like, oh my god, I went up the staircase. It actually worked yeah. this time. It's so it's really exciting, and I mean the fact that the only other entrance is the endless staircase that yeah. you know is endless until you have a certain number of stars only adds to that. Yeah, I mean the clock is great. There's the whole rainbow cruise. There's the mountain with the monkeys. Like yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff up there. I don't know about you. The, something- literally, the first thing I did was I I went up to um that that uh tower that has the stained glass window you can jump into yeah that that does like the the slide down on the kind of like red carpet i mean that's like such a classic level and immediately like went down at once just to get the star and then started do trying to do that like big skip you know where you just like shoot yourself off the edge and then land on it and like do it in like a couple seconds um that was another big shift in in the ds version of that game too was was, um there were like race versions of that you know where they would like time you and there were like rabbits that you would have to like catch as you were going down and stuff. yeah the rabbit in the basement was another moment that always stood out to me yeah um for some reason the 64 uh, remake on ds just had like tenfold rabbits it was like the rabbits just like all <laughs> reproduced and just like filled that entire castle yeah it's so mysterious that the only other character you see outside of a painting in the castle yeah other than like toads and peach and stuff like i think that's cool of the game like because i think you know you can mainline a level and get all the stars and then move on but the fact that like it's up to you how to get the number of stars required is kind of interesting yeah like you know, when Laura and I played when we were younger, I remember like not fully knowing how to get some stars, mm-hmm. but just by exploring, you know, you'll end up like in the slide one, you know, by jumping right. around. Yeah. Like, you'll that's fall into that's the other thing with, with that era of games is you had so much time anyway, you know, yeah, you had so much right. time to just fuck around and eventually stumble on something cool. And like, that's not really a thing that you and I have as much anymore, you know, and I, I have a little bit less patience for games that, that don't, I guess, direct me at all. 
I would say these days um, with with, you know, I would say a few notable exceptions, but um, there is something kind of magical about playing 64 specifically and just like yeah. revisiting that era of, of game design. Totally. Yeah. But I, I think I think the newfound appreciation for Galaxy is the biggest surprise because yeah, that same. is that is the moment they kind of figured it out in 3D. They, they made it work in a way that I think if we only had Sunshine in, in 64, we would maybe say like, oh, it was fun, but like it didn't really age well. Like that transition to 3D wasn't as kind to Mario, but that they made they figured it out in Galaxy. Yeah. Um, yeah. In a way that I think a lot of other platformers in their transition to 3D kind of stumbled. Yeah. You know, like Sonic, the clear example. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Dom, Dom bringing up uh, Odyssey in that first segment, like really colored the way I was thinking about the rest of it also, uh, as we yeah. did other sections. I just couldn't stop thinking about like what an achievement Odyssey was. Again, and and I, I mentioned this once at the top and I'll mention this again. And I've mentioned this in a lot of episodes, but like I'm not the biggest Mario fan. Like I just am not. I, I, I like these games when I play them and I think they're really stellar. Um, but I never get excited about a Mario game until I have my hands on it, really. Like, you know, th- they announced Mario Odyssey. I was like, all right, cool. You know, maybe I'll get it eventually one day. Uh, and then I picked it up and, you know, played the whole thing in a weekend because it, it was just like you couldn't not. Um, and, that, <laughs> yeah. and that's that's the case of every Mario game. But but Odyssey, I played so quickly that I don't think I really appreciated it as much as, as I, I could have. And now playing these three games, it's like, oh, man, Odyssey really was like the culmination of everything they learned in 64 and Sunshine and Galaxy 1 and 2 and 3D World and, you know, XYZ thing. I would say 3D World is the only one that like going into this collection, I had like a real, real affinity for where I played that game and I, I just am constantly thinking about how much of a fucking joy it was. And I can't wait to play it again. And we'll talk about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I think that 3D World is definitely more in line with Galaxy where it's like, here's the catered list. We're playing yeah. the hits. And Odyssey like gets a little bit of DNA from 64 with the openness and the yeah. weirdness. Which is why I think, like, weirdly playing through these games, it has solidified that Odyssey is my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Not in a way of, like, oh, I'd rather be playing Odyssey, but I'm just like, man, Odyssey killed it. Like, Odyssey really, you know, we, we've said it many times already, but that that is what I picked up. But I think, you know, it's really worth experiencing all three of these games because you will find one that works best for you. I do, I do see why Sunshine is a lot of people's favorites, even though it, it kind of bumped up against me a little bit. I can see why all three of these games had the impact they did. And it's a really cool collection. Yeah. Yeah. Once you get your feet under you in Sunshine, it really does start to take off a little bit more. I, I found I had some like technical issues with Sunshine also that I didn't bring up in our segment with Pablo. But um, like that game playing it in handheld mode was kind of a dream and like was very responsive and great. And anytime I plugged into the dock, it was like framey and laggy. And like there was a delay in the input between my controller and the TV, which was like making it very hard to play that game the way I play most games on the Switch. I play most games on the Switch in, in docked mode. I don't think I've mentioned that in a long time, so it's worth mentioning again. I play in handheld mode like almost never. Um, but Sunshine, I almost had to exclusively play in handheld mode um, because I, I had such a hard time with it, it docked, which was kind of a bummer. But uh, but that said, like as soon as I kind of like locked down, you know how to use the flood and things like that you know the the realization that the, pressing the right stick in would put me into like a first person view uh to to shoot water like all that stuff once that all clicked it was like oh yeah this game rips it's still really fun like the, yeah. and, and as you mentioned in that segment and i think like uh, you put it really well 
like if that game had come out with a, a name that wasn't Mario, if that character yeah. was not <laughs> Mario and was not a Super Mario game, but was the exact same game, you know, just swap that character out, like it would be a cult classic, huge mega hit, you know? Totally. It's just yeah. when you hold it up to Odyssey and 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 Galaxy 1 and 2 and everything else, it's like, this is probably one of the weaker ones, but still great. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it's sort of like, I weirdly, I think Sunshine and Odyssey are going for similar vibes, but like one worked and one didn't quite as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just in terms of everything being cohesive, I think that Sunshine is doing really cool things uniquely in moments, uh, which is why I found it frustrating. It's, it's a brilliant game in moments. And I think you can see that it was a little rushed. Mm. Um, but yeah, man, I'm really happy I have my hands on this. I'm happy I always have it, you know, that I don't have to set yeah. up my Wii or my 64 to play these games. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I do think that, you know, we, we mentioned that the motion controls in Galaxy like feel tacked on conceptually but they'd play really well on the switch because the switch low key is a great Wii. yeah (laughs) yeah i didn't want to get too in the weeds on this like when we were recording the bit but now we're all the way at the end of the episode so i think it's fine the thing that i think is the huge differentiator between playing this game on original hardware on the wii and playing this on the switch and why i actually think it's probably better to play this game on the switch than the wii um is that the way the switch works is you're not pointing the the uh, IR blaster at the top of your Joy-Con towards uh, the the motion sensor bar that the Wii used to have, right? So when you're playing on the Wii, you had to be pointing at the screen to play the game at all times. Like if you wanted to collect stuff or do whatever, you had to literally lift your arm up and like point it at the screen. Uh, so the sensor bar would register all the inputs. The way the switch works is brilliant. Uh, it, it, it works this way with the Joy-Cons and with the Pro Controller which is that anytime you press the right trigger, or is it the right trigger? Is it it's R? the right bumper, I think. The right bumper, yeah. Uh, anytime you press the right bumper, it just re-centers the kind of yeah. like the, the pointer uh, wherever you just happen to be pointing at that moment. So you could very comfortably just like have your arm resting down, press the right bumper to reset the, the totally. middle of the, of the pointer exactly wherever your arm is rested. And then you just kind of have to move your wrist around a little bit if you want to like collect stuff. And that little shift in how you play the game makes it a much more laid back, relaxing experience than it did on the original hardware. And I think it's probably why I'm actually enjoying it more now. Um, it also I works totally surprisingly agree. well on, on the Pro Controller if you out there have a Pro Controller. But as you said in the segment, playing with the split Joy-Cons is like the way to go. It is so yeah. fun that way. Yeah, it's it's just a great time. I, I, uh, I you know... I'm so happy. And I, I beat that game. I kind of binged it when it came out, like I said earlier, but I will probably try to finish it again. Cause that's the thing too, is like Mario games have a nice length to them. They're usually like, if you want to just mainline it, it's like five to six hours. And if you do everything, it's longer. Yeah. I think that's a great way to do a game where it's like, okay, like we're not going to demand too much of you to have the critical path, but if you want to go in the weeds, you can. Odyssey, I think, did that brilliantly where you get that incredible finale. I can't get over it. That that finale is so good. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Um, and then, you know, Luigi's like, hey, bro, I've got some new ideas if you yeah. want to play Balloon World. Yeah, here's like, the dark know. side of the moon. Here's an entire, like, <laughs> new segment Truly. of stars that you can get on all the old levels. Yeah, I mean, just just brilliant the way that they built an endgame into that. Because, like, it, it's the classic Super Mario World shtick where there's, a, like, a secret star zone. It's like, oh, this is thrilling. Or uh, Lost Levels having, you know, the ABCDE worlds when you beat the game. Yeah. Um, it's that, but in Odyssey, which just means that they like created a whole slew of extra, like extremely triple A Nintendo content um, in, in like a full ass 3D world that just gets unlocked when you beat the actual game, which is like 
incredible you know so i imagine a lot of people put that game down when they rolled credits on it but there's so much more to explore and there's so much interesting stuff there you're right the more i talk about it the more i'm like i just got to go back and play odyssey again and i hope they make an odyssey <laughs> yeah too. yeah i mean i think I, I was wondering like how do you follow odyssey in a way you know because like yeah but that's how i feel i think i think a lot of people felt that way about galaxy you know in galaxy 2 yeah um and that led to super mario 3d world and odyssey so like they'll do something great and i think odyssey 2 would make sense like i wouldn't mind a direct sequel to that honestly like yeah I think that, now there's precedent that, for it it just feels like why not yeah why not yeah i mean again like with the capping mechanic especially you can just add a bunch of new enemies to possess and that's like yeah a whole new game already but also knowing nintendo they're gonna be like super mario underwater only you know and like yes that's, <laughs> that's gonna be it they're like super mario snorkel week yeah. <laughs> we went to space we went to the beach we went uh you know all over the planet and now it's time to explore the oceans and you're only swimming maybe that's why yeah, only i don't really like sunshine because they're like you are permanently in a water level yeah. <laughs> no I, I i dug sunshine but not quite as much but yeah i uh man uh going back to uh, jolly roger bay in 64 <laughs> a nightmare that level is not good but the music is so beautiful yeah that it makes it one of my favorite levels i was i was yeah honestly every once in a while i'll just turn that song on like on on youtube mm. and just like leave it on in the background i'll find like that youtube on repeat website and just like listen to that music all the time actually worth pointing out i don't think we mentioned this one of the like you know it's not much but it's i think it's a really nice addition in the collection on switch the yes. all-stars from the main menu, you have the three games and you also have all three soundtracks and you can just leave them on, yeah. which is really nice because like, you know, you can only really find these soundtracks on YouTube and there's always ads and stuff. So just to have like all because th all three soundtracks are incredible. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, they're all really good and they're all going for a different vibe. Like Sunshine, as Pablo pointed out, has that acapella version of the original theme, which is so good. Yeah, it rules. Um, yeah. Honestly, 64, obviously, kind of like a trailblazer, you know, and like yeah, has all those many instruments. But so, so many of those songs are like, I think, you know, things that we hum in our sleep without realizing it. And then Sunshine also still having the, the that MIDI instrumentation, but like really stands out as having its own vibe. It's like really fun. And I, lo I love listening to that stuff. And then Galaxy is like, you know, unbelievable. Galaxy more is more orchestral. Yeah. yeah, it's more whimsical. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like. 64, yeah, it's just like almost dreamlike and surreal. And then you have the like kind of vacation-y vibe of Sunshine. Yeah. And then the whimsy of the space orchestra. Yeah. Uh, uh, so good. Yeah. Uh, That's the thing. Uh, and, and, and I understand, again, I mean, we talked about it, but I, I understand this thought that like they could have probably done more with this collection, I imagine. But even just the inclusion of the music stuff is like, that's fine. That's fun. I mean, yeah. I can't listen to it on the go, really, but I can plug it into my, you know, TV <laughs> and just like leave it on while I'm doing dishes or something. And that's honestly really nice. I've remember done when they more were, than once so far. Remember when they were hyping up Smash Brothers and they're like, you can listen to the soundtrack and like turn your switch and sleep and like use it as an iPad or iPod to listen to Spotify. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Yeah, it's no so one's ever going to do that. Yeah, it's very silly. Um, yeah, I, I think, I mean, I think that, you know, the biggest gripe I have with this collection is the limited time offer. You know, that, yeah. that to me is like the biggest. And we still don't even know how that's going to shake out, you know? Yeah. It, it might just right. be limited time and then those three games get released on the eShop separately. Like that, that, that could be it. And honestly, that might be fine. Even if that stuff is expensive, at least it's there is kind of how I feel about it. You know, because yeah. as we just said, 
in our in our segment with Lauren, like it is a bummer that we all have these really like emotional attachments to these old games that we can't play without pirating them or spending eight hundred dollars. You know, like yeah. that, that should not be how we relive our childhoods. That should not be how we revisit the things that we love, especially considering, you know, just look at literally any other medium. Libraries exist for books. Turner Classic Movies is a subscription service that has every movie that came out from like the beginning of film up through now. You know, that's great. Uh, The Criterion Collection, things like that. You know, I mean, like we have this for for every other medium and it's kind of like a huge bummer that we don't have it for games. And that's kind of one of the reasons I'm so excited about Microsoft. But yeah, I'm not going to turn this into a Game Pass uh, and and Xbox (laughs) backwards compatibility episode. Also, that's I mean, as we said before, like that's one of the reasons I'm excited about getting a Series S is because. The launch lineup for me is like Jet Set Radio Future and Oblivion, yeah. which is so surreal. Yeah. But it's amazing. And I think the original Wii was actually onto something with how good the online store was. Like so many the games console, were available. Yeah. And the Wii U as well. It's kind of a shame the Switch hasn't followed suit, given the Switch has had amazing third-party support and like, you know, a lot of great indie games that are coming out now, but we can do more. And I I think the arcades are a start, you know, with having Nintendo online, but like that's a very small baby step in terms of game preservation. Yeah, and they're they're so infrequently updated. You you don't even know when they're going to come out. And and also it's just NES and Super Nintendo. And like, that's cool. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy having those two, but like... Is there going to be more? When is there going to be more? I don't know. I just, yeah. I, it's it's more, it's less of me being bummed out about the Super Mario 3D All-Stars collection and more me being bummed out about Nintendo as a whole. You know, um, as, as many times they knock it out of the park, they also hit a foul ball, you know? Totally, yeah. I love I, I, baseball. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I mean, I, I had a blast revisiting these games and I will definitely go back to most of them. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much to our three guests. Um, so cool to have people on. We were just saying in between recording uh, the last segment in this one, just like how much of an actual low-key video game podcast this episode was to record because <laughs> it was like literally just us having like very chill conversations with our, our friends and family, uh, yeah. which like was great. I mean, what a, what a fun thing to do, especially considering we open every episode of the show saying that it's a low key video game podcast. And then one of us does an impression that hurts the other one <laughs> emotionally and physically. Um, it was, it was nice to like have an actual chill time. Hopefully you enjoyed it. I guess let us know, you know, if you're listening to this and you like this and you would like more episodes like this, um, we thought it'd be fun to kind of just like break out of the realm of things that we generally do and try some new stuff. We always want to try new stuff on the show. So yeah, let us know if you liked it. Totally. Yeah. I had a great time. I thought you asked me at first. I'm like, I had fun. Like, oh, that, that was to the dear listener. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I guess we'll wrap up then. Thanks again to all our patrons who make these bonus episodes possible. You know who you are. Uh, thank you all just for the, uh, a lot. I mean, right now, like recording this, I feel like we've been seeing the increase in support and in the audience and people reaching out and like, that's all really exciting. And, and we want to like, we want to follow up on the support we're getting. So that's why you're seeing a lot more streaming and a lot more, you know, just stuff we're trying to do. So it always feels like we're doing more with what we're getting. Uh, so just thank you for letting this growth happen. For real. Yeah. I mean, yeah, as Steven's saying, like we're streaming way more, which we've been saying we were going to do for a long time, but like is actually happening now, which is really fun and has been uh, an extremely cool time. But yeah, honestly, at the end of the day, like, you know, this show exists because Steven and I wanted to reconnect and talk about video games, you know, and we were like, let's turn it into a podcast. That'd be fun. 
And and that's kind of the approach that we've taken to everything that we've done for this show, you know, and, and streaming is another extension of that. Now I get to wake up every morning and like have a reason to get out of bed. Uh, that's not just going to work, uh, which is very helpful for me. Um, totally. So that's been really great. Um, and and as we've said, like the discord is continuing to grow and is getting cooler and cooler. Um, I'll talk about that more on the episode of recording tomorrow, which, you know, based on timing might come out before this one or after this one. I'm not really sure of the situation yet uh, when this episode is going to come out. But yeah, the discord community has just been like more and more exciting and welcoming and cool and like kind of taking things and running with it. And and yeah, I don't know, just the support's been really cool. Um, so yeah, again, thank you to everybody who's listening. Thank you to everybody who's uh, shouting us out in cool places. Thank you to people writing Apple podcasts reviews we noticed some new ones there yeah just a lot of cool stuff and more cool stuff on the horizon uh we as we said we had we have the other bonus episodes for the rest of the year planned out um this was going to be a different one but then you know kind of like red alert situation when when this collection got announced so um, maybe we'll revisit that game i don't want to say what it was uh yeah it was gonna be i mean i think we did we made the right decision but i think it'll be worth revisiting the other idea in the future i completely agree yeah but uh Yeah. yeah we have some cool stuff planned for the rest of the year um we're uh, we're trying hopefully to record games of the year in person if possible you know get covid tests and all that kind of stuff and uh would love to make that happen we'll you know i guess let you guys know uh if, if that ends up happening or not but yeah i don't know just some cool stuff planned for the rest of the year it's gonna be exciting i'm excited yeah yeah um, just thank you all yeah uh hey go check out into the online that's our website that has links to everything that's twitter instagram youtube twitch uh the patreon the discord i mean everything is there uh if you want to listen to us on um i don't know stitcher or google home uh i imagine there's links or something there as well uh you could listen to us on a normal place also but you know it depends (laughs) whatever you want um All those links are at into the cast online. Um, that is also the link that probably makes the most sense to share with people. Uh, if you want to share the show with them uh, and they want to check it out. But that said, if you can think of a better way for us to share the show than into the cast online, please let us know any way that you want using any of the links that you find on into the cast online. Cause we're always open to changing some stuff around. Um, but that said, I, I do you want to wrap up. Should we be done? Yeah. I think, I think that's all there is to say. Cool. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. My name is Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger. My name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. So long. Goodbye. Woohoo! <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Here I go. Wahoo. so much for playing my game.